Hello and welcome to Sabertown. Um, let's get on that train and ride, ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. My name's Karina and I'm here today with... Steve, I'm a shicky on the app. Yep, hi, and we are actually real life meeting each other. For the first time. Yep, so really? yeah, we're not zooming, we are sitting here face to face having our, our cuppers. Well, he's got, you've got water, I've got oh, my no. cup of tea. <laughs> he knew me well, he made a cup of tea for me as soon as I walked Bit in the door. Yeah. So, um, we are today, we, we, well, we've been following each other on, on the app for, for quite a while. And um, we, when we did our Zoom on Saturday, we actually broke out into the same room. And it was really great because I had a, a fellow Essex boy <laughs> with me. And I am a true Essex girl, heart to heart, and, and you cannot take the girl out of Essex. We well, can take the Essex girl, girl out of Essex, Essex but you can't right, take we... Essex out of the girl. Yeah, so, um, and as some of you will know, I've been uh, really interested about drinking through the decades and about mostly about street drinking and about teenage drinking and so I thought it would be really good if we could get together and because different genders a decade apart but grew up in the same area and just to see how that changed if any so that's what today's going to be about initially okay so i've been talking to some people who grew up mostly in the 50s and 60s um and looked at their teenage years and, and what i discovered was that mostly they left school between the age of 14 and 15 and um what they would do well, they would go to work half of their wages would usually go to the family um and for entertainment they would go to things like dance halls that didn't have any alcohol with any soft drinks um they go to the cinema um, and they go to pubs at the age of 18. Um, there weren't, there wasn't any street drinking. There was no alcohol at home. It was just the pubs. Just the pubs. Just the pubs, yeah. And they didn't have to have ID then, either. Chicky, they just, they could, they, it, they just took the word, apparently, of the person they were that age. And, and I actually said to, to this person, I said, well, um, you know, did you ever go in early? Because me, in the, in the 70s, 80s, I was going in the pub at, well, in the 70s at 14. And he really? said, yeah, but but um, he, he said, yeah, I did sneak in once or twice young. And I said, well, what age is 17? So it's really seemed that people stuck by the rules then, that 18 was the age you could go in the pub and drink. There wasn't drinking at home. We tried to break all the rules we could. I know, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and whether that's to do with sort of the work culture, because they were out of school, they were working at an earlier age, having to take more responsibility, maybe at the age of 14, 15, um, I don't know. And But they had fun. They had fun at the cinema. Um, and, yeah, they said there was no drinking on the streets. And mostly the pub drinking was on a Friday night and they got paid, used to get paid weekly. And it was mostly the men. It was their wind this down. in the 50s. Yeah, in the 50s and the 60s. Yep, so the 50s and the 60s get paid weekly. Men would go to the pub on their way home from work on a Friday night and um, hopefully not drink away all the wages before they get home to, to give it to the, the housewife then, or the woman of the house, um, to then sort of, you know, spend on food and sort of electric and, and they do all the bills and things. Um, and... Also on a Sunday, uh, there'd be a bit of a family catch-up in the pubs as well. They would go on a Sunday, mostly to see family members. Again, mostly men, but there would be some females there. Um, but that was kind of it. That was the, the drinking culture. Now, 
obviously it might be different from place to place, but this was again in the Essex, London type area. Um, and the mention was that there were the people, there was the flower power, they said, you know, the people smoking the, yeah, yeah. the backy. Um, but they didn't really know anything about that unless you were actually involved in, in that group. They just walked <coughs> past and knew that, that mm. it was sort of kind of smelly or smelt funny. So kind of jump forwards sort of um, in the 70s. Um, I mean, I was born in 65. And, you know, I think also the other thing to take into account then was that um, people have families younger. It's not only to leave school earlier and start work earlier. Mm. Mm. They had families a lot. More responsible. Yeah, more responsibility. They were having, mm. you know, my my parents were 21 and 23 when, when I was born. So mm. it was a lot, lot younger age. Um and then in the 70s, so my, I, I think I started drinking probably on the street and down the park and in the pubs um, at the age of 14. Um, there was only one pub that we could go to, to a back room that we could get away with, but mostly it was on the streets. Um, it, it was quite hard even then to get a Saturday job, but I did a lot of babysitting. So I'd babysit and so my wages... Um, would then be spent mostly on alcohol because that was like my pocket money. So I didn't, you know, I was still in school. I didn't have to give mum and dad any of that money. So it went on me. But I distinctly remember at the age of 14, and this is 1979, so hopefully British Rail aren't going to come after me. <laughs> but we would go on the train, me and my mates, from the place that I lived with South and Ferrers to Burnham on Crouch. And we would get away with half fare. Because I think you, ha- you should pay full fare mm. at fourteen, so we get away with half fare, and then once we paid our fare, we put our makeup on and everything looked older. We'd get off the train, we'd go to this little uh, there was a pub opposite the train station in Burnham on Crouch, and it used to have like a little hatch for off license, off sales, and we'd get a big bottle of cider. So we got away with half fare on the train, thinking we we're thirteen, <laughs> and then we're getting served at the age of eight, you know, pretending <laughs> to be eighteen at this pub. But not only that, Steve, we would. Um, take aspirin with us we put aspirin in it and drink it out of a straw because that made you drunk quicker apparently (laughs) so there was quite a big culture there of of drinking drinking at the park drinking in the streets and you know cans tinnies cider mostly i think my first hard spirit was um probably uh well it was actually when i was 16 and we'd actually been let into this village hall dance we'd been able to take you know, lots of people were there, they knew our age, mm. and it was the legal age was 18. We'd been able to take part in the beer drinking competition. It was more acceptable, I suppose. Wasn't yeah, it? you yeah. still got away with it. And then we had um, a raffle, and someone won um, whiskey, and I drank half a pipe of whiskey, and I was so, so ill. Yeah, that put you off. It's awful. It put me off whiskey, yeah, but it didn't 100%. put me off drinking. No, no, right. <laughs> so I can't even smell, stand the smell of whiskey now. But so that was kind of the year that, that I sort of grew up in. Now, my brother is six years younger than me. Just going back to that, mm. those early years, mm. uh, the all down the park, was no one sort of smoking weed at that time? Was it all just beer and sort of vodka and stuff? Not really. Um, there were some older um, people that I hang out with, hang out with mm. um, who were sort of like brothers and sisters of my friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly being in um, rooms with them like in their houses and them smoking I presume it was weed but they were smoking things through a banana skin and through a toilet roll holder and things yeah, like so a bong or something yeah or something. so making yeah, yeah I guess yeah. kind of making a bong um out of it then but 
drugs never ever interested me never and here's the stupid thing it didn't interest me because it was illegal Mm. so it was wrong Mm. and therefore it must be harmful yeah alcohol was legal it only had an age range on it that was just you know it doesn't mean anything because it was legal so it must be fine right Mm. that that was my thinking and um my brother was it is six years younger than me brought up in the same household but obviously my parents were older when they had him so perhaps you know almost like a a decade sort of they'd had six years experience of of me um and he so I've spoken to him about this he grew up in the same town that I've been doing with drinking him him and his friends didn't drink they played sabutio they played footy so this has been sort of like mid eighties, right? Yeah, so mid eighties for him. So, so how old yeah. are you? Been about so about eighteen four. Yeah, so eighty. So so he was born in seventy. Yeah, seventy. Nineteen seventy. So so yeah. Yeah. So he said he never never drank, and he he said people were smoking weed. Yeah. But he said the difference was that a lot of them were into their technology and their games because that had just started to come in, hadn't it, you know? I mean, I remember, I don't know, you might be too young to remember this, but I remember when it first came out, Binatone with the two little tennis levels going, bing, bing, bing. Yeah, that that was my, yeah, introduction. But he was quite into technology, Sabutio and football. Now, he didn't take anything until he was in his 20s. So it had been 1990, and then mm. it was drugs. Mm. He got into drugs. And I remember I had this conversation so with him today. He bypassed the drinking. He bypassed the drinking. Yeah. I think he did have one episode, because I was talking to my parents recently, remembering back one episode when he was about 15, he went to some party, and he came back absolutely paralytic when he was about 15. But he'd actually only had a couple of cans, I think. But he was paralytic, so that probably mm, yeah. kind of put him off his yeah. drinking. And he didn't—he did, wasn't really a drinker for years. It's only latterly that he started being a mm. drinker, really. But he did do drugs, and I remember a conversation with him once, saying to him, "Please, please, give give up your drugs. Don't take drugs. They're illegal. They're really bad for you." And he looked at me at the age of twenty, and I remember, and I'm six years older than me, and went, "Karina, that shit that you are drinking is far worse for you than this stuff that I'm taking." What was he on? Um, he was taking, he was smoking mostly, smoking, but yeah, some yeah. whiz as well, so yeah, a bit yeah, of speed. Yeah. So I'm not promoting drugs out there at all, people, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but statistically, looking at the facts now, we know that he is right, that <coughs> alcohol is more mm. harmful than mm. those drugs. Not that I suggest you take either of them. No, God. Um, so, so that was kind of mine. So I thought it'd be really good then to look at sort of, we've kind of looked a little bit at the 70s, early 80s, and then to look at, your memories of growing up in your teenage years from your earliest when you started to drink and where that was and your experience of street drinking, pub drinking and, and whatever drinking it was that you did? Well, when I was... So 1990, I was 16. Um, so I had that, that decade really sort of at my feet, really, for the next 10 years. Um, drinking on the street, we used to go to the park and we would never really go and drink much, to be fair. Uh, there'd be a little bit of drinking, but from that sort of age group... Um, it was more into weed. Mm. Um, everyone was smoking weed. Um, I don't think that's changed now, to be fair. We'll come to that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't really start drinking until definitely I was 18. Once I was 18, I could legally go into pubs. Mm-hmm. Different ball game. 
different kettle of fish. I soon grew out the weed completely. I was knocked the weed on here completely. Once I got, once I got alcohol, legal alcohol as well, mm-hmm. you can get in there without sort of getting your fake ID or getting friends to try and serve you. I remember we used to go to the pubs at 17. We'd get away with getting to the pubs at 17 uh, and the pubs would be packed. Mm. You know, the pubs would be absolutely chock-a-block, um, which I don't think they are so much now. Uh, but it's like every night of the week. Um, but 18, I think 18 was when I really started to, you know, get, in, get into the drinking. But this is now early 90s, and this is what your brother was probably doing. I mean, that sort of Vera, I mean, the Acid House music mm. had just finished. That was like late 80s, very early 90s, the Acid House music. Yeah. That was just um, moving aside for hardcore. That come, I remember the hardcore days? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the hardcores. I used to go to like sort of out of town mm. warehouses and like, mm. um, like aeroplane hangers. Um, but there wasn't much drinking going on now because no. obviously a lot of ecstasy was now coming under that's the new drug ecstasy. Which was that around in the eighties? It wasn't, was it? Um, not really. I think it was, but it was called something else. Yeah, but I, I think, it, yeah, had, but, yeah. But if it was, I wasn't kind of aware of it because it wasn't my scene. <coughs> so I didn't really. I was a bit naive. Probably the only thing I knew about drugs in the eighties was through my nursing career. Mm. And I'd always know when there was a, badgy, a dodgy batch yeah. of speed around because everybody would come into the secure right. units. You know, we'd have our regulars coming in and it was like, oh, dodgy batch of speed again, you know. So yeah. that was my experience of, of drug taking and was how it affected mental health, really. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that kind of era then, I mean, when ecstasy came around, that was just sweeping the nation. I mean, like, the dance music was, again, was just going across the country. Uh, the hardcore mm. was um, sort of, that sort of started going out about 93, 94. Mm. And it was, my, I met my wife, Natalie, in 94, in a club in South End, Tots. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Tots, yeah, Tots, Talk of the fam- South. Talk yeah. of the South, yeah, <laughs> famous club. Not a, sort of a, a dance music club, more of a sort of popular music club. Mm, mm. Um, we met there in 94, and by this time, it was more sort of garage music and house music, and that was one thing me and Natalie both had in common, was th- that that kind of scene, plus drinking. We were both drinkers. Me and Natalie, we can just drink all day long. I mean, we could go into pub, me and Natalie, um, and we'd stay there all day. Yeah. Uh, so, we, to be fair, meeting her, we was quite a bad influence on each other, really. Mm-hmm. We were just as bad as each other's... You know, together, we were a nightmare. And that didn't change until, obviously, I quit six months ago. Um... But we were still into that scene of, the, of clubbing, which was like your house and your garage music, which everyone sort of, literally everyone I knew was into that kind of scene. Mm. Um, and we'd go to London, it'd be like all the London clubs, the West End clubs. Uh, we'd go to Manchester for the Hacienda. Wow. Hacienda, we'd done the Ibiza thing. Then yeah. like, in London, you've got Ministry of Sound, Cafe de Paris. Mm. It was sort of, you know, we'd have a big night like that, sort of maybe once a month following. We was big into that kind of scene, the house music, the London dancing. We was, we was right into that. But in the early days, Although we drank all through the nineties, but in the early day, when you go to those kind of clubs, a lot of it was a lot of people were drinking water because the ecstasy was so big in that yeah. era. That I think that if you was around at that time, if you was like sort of age eighteen to sort of twenty two in that period in history, then sort of that was a massive time for the mm-hmm. ecstasy. And I think you wanted to say something about Leah Betts. Yeah, so yeah, I, I remember that's, that was my other experience of, of ecstasy was I was actually working with um, Leah Betts's sister. Um, on the night that she was taken um, very poorly at her 18th birthday, yeah. I believe it was. She's Essex, wasn't she? Yeah, she was Essex. And um, I can't remember, but I was working at Chelmsford Hospital, yeah, at, at Brentfield yeah. Hospital at that time. Um, and she was, she was, that's where she was admitted. Um, 
and um, yeah, unfortunately, Leah Betts died, as many people will know. And, uh, and her parents did start a big campaign about sort of mm. you know the Leah Betts and started going into schools mm. and things. And obviously, we had lots of campaigns over here and the states of just say no. Um, but the way the area I'm coming from at the moment is. You know, we, we tell people to just say no, but we're not telling them what they're saying no to, mm. especially with regards to alcohol. Mm. Um, and I'd like to turn it around a bit about, you know, a different form of education of, like, why say yes? You know, let's, let's tell them the <laughs> yeah. real... Because only as we... I don't know about yourself, but as I've got sabre, even with my 37 years of nursing and having nursed people through detox and, you know, worked with people with alcohol and drug problems, it's only now that I'm learning the real facts, the real hard facts about the poison of alcohol mm. um, because it was all hidden. The truth was was hidden. Mm. Um, you had to go hunting for it. Um, so I don't think we're not... You know, what we're given is the advertising. It's romanticised, it's glorified. We're not told the truth about about alcohol. So, I mean, going back to the drinking culture back then, although, you know, everyone done their club scene away from the clubs, I think just literally pretty much everything mm. revolved around drink. Mm. Uh, I can give three examples. I'll give you, like, an idea of my social life, an idea of my, my sporting life, mm-hmm. and an idea of my working life. All three things which, like, I'd done... All of them, just everything revolved around drink. The entire thing mm-hmm. it revolved around drink, um, yeah. the social life. I mean, we used to go to a club in in Chelmsford on a Monday night. Yeah. Um, a pound to get in, and a pound of drink, like a Monday special. So you can go to sort of fifteen pounds and have a good night. I mean, mm. that would never happen now. And you go there, it'd be packed. Yeah. On a Monday. Is that reds. Jukes. Oh, jukes, yeah, jukes, yeah, jukes and reds, yeah. And you you have the queue to get in on a Monday Mm -hmm. night, absolutely rammed, and we go there, I wouldn't go every every Monday, but, you know, if you're available, you go. Yeah. And then on a Wednesday night, there'd be pubs that... It'd be rammed, actually wall to wall. You couldn't get in. It'd be like the bar would be like sort of three or four deep, mm. and everyone would go to these certain pubs. If it's two pubs in the area, the Down Arms in, in Wickford and yeah. Han- and um, yeah. the Windmill. Yeah, I used to Hanfield. drink at those as well. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, Han- the, the Windmill's all out in the country. So mm. People have to drive to get there. Mm-hmm. It's out of the way, and you get there, and the car park would be full up, and people yeah. in the garden. You know that whole drinking culture. I mean, everyone just went to the pub, sort of like. These, these, these particular nights happen on Wednesday night and they'll be round and then obviously the, the weekend will come Friday again everyone will be just down all the pubs will be uh, totally packed in, mm. in my heart I grew up in Wickford yeah. so all the pubs will be busy that'll be a Friday night normally go to a, end up in a, like a music bar some like live entertainment or, or a DJ yeah. uh, and then Saturday night again it'll just be straight down the pub again mm-hmm. uh, normally, generally you'll meet in the pub and then you find out who's going to what club. Because mm. um, obviously, our mobile phones or the internet. No. So no. you just get to the pub and like, people have flyers of, of, night, of nightclubs and you sort of get into little groups of where, who's going where. Mm. And yeah, you go out pretty, you used to go clubbing pretty much every weekend, really. Yeah. Uh, not so much the dancing things, but um, that was from the age of sort of 18 to sort of 24. Um, we go to Chelmsford, Southend, and Romford uh, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. every, pretty much every week. So your social life, you never have, you'd, you'd never have a night in no. on a Saturday. You'd never no. go out for a meal. That's just you wouldn't, no, no. wouldn't think about no. it. You know, you'd, you'd just be like, we're going to the pub, we're yeah. meeting here, then we're deciding where we're going later, mm. and that'll be a standard Saturday night all the time. So the drinking was again, it's all revolved around the drinking. Yeah. Um, so that'd be like my social life, and then, then I used to play football, mm-hmm. um, Sunday morning football. Um, I mean, 
crunching to the, the image football's got these days is sort of men rolling around like fairies getting, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it, that is the perception, it drives me mad, yeah. that is the yeah. perception, the modern game is yeah. terrible, um, or soccer, as um, our friends call it. Call them, yeah. Yeah, States, they, they, yeah. Must, they must, they must yeah. look at soccer and think, what a girl's game mm, that is, like big mm. men going down like fairies. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But if you was to come and watch Sunday League football, yeah. um, anywhere in the country, like back even now probably, it, it was just 22 men kicking the shit out of each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah. You know, it really was. There's punch-ups on the pitch, punch-ups mm, on the side. I love mm. it. He's it. got his you know, sort of let off a bit of steam, but... We'd all shake hands after the game and that's it, all forgotten and straight down the pub and that is where yeah. you stay. You know, we would stay and we'd get in the pub sort of like <clears throat> half twelve, one o'clock and it'd be all wives and girlfriends as me and Natalie used to go down there. Mm. My dad used to run the team, he'd be there and my mum would be there and everyone would literally, we'd stay in the pub all day on a Sunday. Like, you'd get there one o'clock till sort of seven, eight o'clock and it was like one of those old-fashioned pubs where you'd get roast potatoes on the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah those were the days, yeah. yeah. So we didn't have to go into it. You sort of ate there and like, you sort of, you'd be drinking mm-hmm. and they'd bring over like, cheese and biscuits to your table and it is sort of, you didn't need to go anywhere. You didn't, you know. No, that's a little trick, actually, to keep you in the pub and 100%. keep drinking and spending money. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And they used to give you, like, spicy crisps and, like, spicy yeah, nuts. Yeah, so you make you thirsty. Yeah, and salty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but we used to stay there you know, all day, and I, I used to drink. In fact, we both drank Cronenberg, me and Natalie. Mm. I could just sit there. I could just drink Cronenberg after Cronenberg mm. after Cronenberg, and you'd, you'd be in there all day. And but it'd be one of those pubs where, again, it wouldn't be sort of just a couple of people. It'd be be packed, not just football players, but it'll be sort of all generations in, not, yeah. not children, but my mum and dad's age, and sort of even like sort of grandparents. It'd be generations in this pub, and it'd be busy. And like, just, yeah, that'd be. You know, that'd be my football side of things. Again, all involved in drinking. In fact, playing the game of football, like, I'd literally every every person I know, every man that I knew played Sunday League football. Yeah. Uh, everyone played it, even if he's no good. You didn't have, have to be able to play football to just go and turn up. <laughs> you it just it, went and played. Yeah, it was yeah. called pub football. Yeah. And everyone, when they got there, was either hungover or drunk anyway before mm. the game. So mm. they, they were starting the game sort of drunk and then finishing the game and then carrying the on. Yeah. It was, that was, that lifestyle was, uh, um, it was right. It was just everything revolved around it. Yeah, because when you think about it, sort of all all of these sports ha- usually generally have a clubhouse, don't they? Yeah, social secretary is all part of it. You know, it's part of it. They, they yeah. all have sort of. I mean, I, I'm just, my Leicester Tigers top on today. I'm a huge rugby fan. Yeah, but exactly even the worse same than footballers. Yeah, aren't <laughs> like the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drink ha- culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in there, and yeah, it's a good old drink up afters. But I think even probably. There's probably cricket pavilions and that with clubhouses yeah, and that, isn't there? Yeah, you know? they, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just as bad. Yeah. But I, I got I got to a stand. I played on Saturdays as well, and I must admit, no matter how much I I drunk, I was always always really fit. I'm not not weights or gym work, just running wise mm-hmm. and cardio. But Dad was the manager of the club, and he always drew me as a kid at 15 years old. He used to drill me all the time, run, run, run. And so I was always, didn't matter how much I drunk. I was always really fit. Yeah. Um, and I got to a standard of football where we used to play Saturday afternoon. We got, we got paid for playing. Um, we used to get, it was like lower league. It was like non-league football, but the lower league of non-league football, we used to get like 25, 30 quid a game for playing, which is brilliant. Am I allowed to ask who you played for? Uh, Basel United. Oh, wow, Basel United. Yeah, and Bowers, yeah. But um, <laughs> to get paid 30 quid yeah. for playing football is amazing. Yeah, it? it's like something such you a, enjoy anyway. Oh, and yeah, yeah, you do it yeah. for free. Brilliant, yeah. So we got paid, but at the club, um, they had a bar at the club and we was encouraged to then spend our wages behind the bar anyway yeah. to give it back to clubs yeah. to support the club. Mm. And uh, we, had a, we had a win bonus where if we won the game, we'd get into the bar after and there'd be jugs of beer 
on the bars wow. of the players. Yeah. So we were getting paid in beer vouchers, basically, to mm. play football, because we'd drink what we earned behind the bar. And again, you know, sort of, you know, five or six pints after the game, then go straight home, get changed, then go out clubbing. Clubbing, yeah. But the whole of football, like you, you touched on about your rugby and your clubhouses and that, the whole of football, even at that level, it is all catered on drinking from the top to bottom, from the chairman to the manager to the players to the mm. groundsman. Mm. Yeah, it was, and like being a social secretary to organise things, it's all about drinking, even at, at quite a decent standard, it's still all about the whole culture. I think it's changed, it's definitely changed, I'm coming into later on, the, the yeah. culture's definitely changed at that standard, but back then it didn't, you know, no. it was all about, you know, afterwards and, and yeah. all the drinking, so. Yeah, yeah you, kind of, you kind of played the sport, went to watch the sport, mm. but that was sort of a, a sideline to the drinking, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the sport was, the, you took the sport serious. Sunday morning, obviously, Sundays you didn't at mm. all. But at that level, we took it, you know, we took it serious. We really did. But then, as soon as the final whistle goes, mm. quickly sh- changed in, in in the bar, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's my experience with social life and and football side of things, both things all around drinking. And then, if they work, I worked in, in, in London, the West End. And you can imagine, can't you? Mm. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just... Huge culture up there, isn't it? Yeah, it? massive. I mean, Natalie, Natalie worked in um, in the city. In case you don't know the difference in London, you've got the city of London, which is the bankers, the mm-hmm. stockbrokers, the yuppies. Yeah. That's all your suits. And Natalie worked there, and I used to go and meet her in the city of London. Wow. Uh, that was before I worked there. I used to get the train, it was a good night out. Mm. And that was... You must have been there. I mean, that was Liverpool Street. She worked in Liverpool Street there, and that area was just complete and utter drinking culture mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. night of the week. Spilling out onto the pavements, oh, no matter what weather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The city side was more sort of, like I say, yuppies and the champagne show, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But it was still massive. Mm. I, I worked in the west end of London, which was more your hip and trendy sort of Soho, Covent Garden, yeah. anything goes. That was more my haunts that I'd go to sort of socialising, yeah. A yeah. lot yeah. more relaxing, a lot more sort yeah. of, more of a variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in sales, in IT sales, and again, just the whole culture was, mm. everything was geared up around drinking. If you got salesmen in a month, it'd be sort of an award would be to go out and drink. Like, I think it's like, you know, like the top 10 salespeople, the incentive would be to go out for a meal, like a posh meal. But no one really cared about the food. No. Do you know what I mean? That was just like, that's, that's the side show. It's like, yeah. get that out as quick as we can, really, because then because it's a free, free evening out. So mm. that was, the incentives were sort of to go down the pub, basically. Uh, again, working in the West End at that, at that time, so we're talking like mid-90s, now 96, from top to bottom, from sort of like the MBs to the managers, to the ground level, to the sales guys, it was all about, you know, after work, drinking, and if we went to a pub on a Friday afternoon for lunchtime, if you, as long as you're hitting your targets, no one cared, you, you did have to come. If it is, it is known, you wasn't going to come back. If you're going to the pub on a Friday afternoon and your boss would be in there and they'd buy you a drink and then you wouldn't go back to the office, as long as, as, long as you, the work was getting done, Yeah. No one really cared. Go to the pub and you can stay in the pub, and it was you know the whole culture then mm-hmm. was just all geared up around it. And so that, that, that's my social life, and football life, and my work life yeah. in that decade from sixteen to twenty six. It was just all I can remember really. It was everything I've done was, but I don't think that's just me though. I'm not just saying oh I've done that. Look, I'm I'm so bad. I'm so good. Everyone done that. Yeah. You know I mean, everyone that I knew yeah. done that. You know. So. And, that, and that's what we're looking at here, isn't it? Is, is the decades and the culture mm, yeah. of, of what it was like and how it's gone through the decades. Mm. OK, so and just one quick thing and then we'll take a break. Um, one of the things my brother said to me this morning was that um, when you used to go to the raves, when people weren't drinking so much, they were more on the drugs and the water, water yeah. um, were going to raves, there wasn't the fight and the violence. People were having right. a, a good time. It's funny you say that because obviously, I mean, 
there was in the country, if people at least aren't aware, there was a lot of football hooligans in the country in the 80s. I mm. mean, I don't know if the Americans know about this, but hooligans, uh, football hooligans in the 80s was rife. I mean, we got mm. banned from Europe. We was like, you know, the scour of Europe. No one hated, not everyone hated the English because yeah. the, yeah. the fighting is fighting all the time. Mm. But in the 90s, football hooligans sort of, they pretty much stopped and they, they put it down to the rave scene. Okay. They put it down to ecstasy. Because all of a sudden, these guys are going out drinking like 10, 15 pints of lager and punching the shit out of each other mm. every Saturday afternoon. Now they're getting, they was getting into like, the ecstasy and those were like hugging each other instead. Yeah. They reckon that stopped. Okay. They reckon, and, but yeah, you go to these, these scenes, like those clubs, yeah, there's mm. no fight. I've never seen, no. mate, I've never, ever, ever seen anything no. but love at those kind of places. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. ego at all. So yeah, you're right. And with that respect, you go to the beer places, pubs, I mean, my high street on a Friday night would be like Beirut. Yeah. Punch ups. Yeah. Everyone's drunk with alcohol. Mm. You go mm. to the rave scene. No, that's a different. Definitely, that's what It's all like everyone's loving each other and having a good time. Culture. Yeah. And again, we're not promoting sort of drugs or alcohol or promoting that you go and do that. But it's just interest. We're trying to sort of highlight the different. You know that alcohol is illegal. Um, drug, the only one that we have to make an excuse mm. not to take or not mm. to have. Um, and, yeah, we've got illegal substances that are, you know, we're just trying to sort of highlight how bad alcohol is for you, really. And actually, if, if anyone's left um, read Annie Grace's This Naked Mind, um, she says some of the statistics in there, and I think it's um, when we look at the risk factor with all the drugs, um, including alcohol, of the risk to themselves and to others... Alcohol is way up there, twenty percent above even heroin. It really is yeah, the riskiest yeah. substance that we take. So we've seen the amount of deaths during lockdown. Mm. It's up twenty percent. Twenty percent in yeah. the UK, which is not a surprise. No, everyone yeah. during lockdown. That, that is, that's what finished me. That's all I had to stop during lockdown. It's just getting yeah. out of hand. Yeah. I think I was drinking myself to death during lockdown. I think everyone, everyone was twenty percent higher. Yeah, 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 so. but yeah. People are literally the death rate in in the UK was twenty percent higher. Um, be, you know, during lockdown, and uh, yeah, it, it is a killer. And, and I actually quote, I've said this to Polly, and I quoted to my GP on Friday. I was talking to her about blood pressure and um, cholesterol. But I started saying, Do you know what, doctor? And I said, uh, Three and a half million people have died since of COVID since this started, this pandemic started. Yeah, three million people die a year of With alcohol, alcohol there you go. related illness, and yeah. um, and and that doesn't include the suicides. That is physical illness. So, but anyway, we'll take a break there and then we'll come on to the next section. Yeah. Okay. 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 Be back soon. We're going to go and grab our cuppa. Hello, we're back. I'm here with Steve Shicky from the I Am Sabre app and we are looking at alcohol through the decades um, and what we've noticed. And we're moving on into the noughties now and this whole podcast, the seed was sown when I listened to Tea Lovers um, talking about her teenage years and drinking on the streets and realising that that this was her, her decade that we're going into now and it was very similar to mine in the late 70s and um, early 80s. Um, so um, Shik is going to continue now with his experience of, of the noughties, what you were up to and what you were doing and what you may have noticed about any teenagers around sort of um, you in your area in that era. So, um, when I say for the noughties, obviously I'm not so young anymore, not a teenager obviously. No. Um, what I did notice um, with the youngsters coming through in, in football days is when I started playing football on a Saturday, uh, back at sort of like 18, 19, we'd always be in the clubhouse after drinking uh, 
pint off the pints. We used to copy really the, follow the lead of the senior players who would be in their thirties, like mm. the late twenties, twenty nine, thirty. They'd be straight in the bar drinking, and we'd be with them. We sort of followed what they'd done. That's you know we just copied those. And then we noticed um, going into the north, so so two thousand and one, two thousand and two. I was in one of the senior players. I would have been sort of 31, um, oh, yeah, 29 maybe, 28, 29, 30, that sort of age group. We was now the senior players in the football team. So we'd, the group of us, maybe three or four of the players at that age would still be in the bar doing what we've always done mm. after the game, drinking lager in the bar. In the bar. Um, but then we did notice that the youngsters coming through, the 18, 19-year-olds, which we used to be, they wasn't, getting involved in the drink. They'd come into the bar after and they'd be having a Lucasade or a, a lemonade and they wasn't... I might have a shandy at worst. They wasn't really drinking. We couldn't work it... We don't know what happened. Mm. We couldn't work it out because most of... When the youth come through, they just follow what the older yeah, players yeah. are doing. Yeah. Um, but something stopped. I don't know maybe if it, if it is because the level of football is playing and they had maybe bigger dreams to go to a higher level. Um, but it definitely stopped... It definitely stops. So there's sort of the, the youngsters coming through. They'd sort of mill around the bar. They'd get their wages and they'd just go. They wouldn't. We'd spend our money straight away. So that's one thing we I noticed the change of the noughties. Yeah. Um, for me, going to the noughties now. I mean, I, we, I married Natalie in 1998. I was I was 23. She was 21. Mm. Which back then that was for our gener- that was young. Young, yeah. Really yeah. young for our generation. Um, we're still together now, 25 years later. Wow. Yeah, so we still... <laughs> still for anniversary. Yeah, yeah. we still go. But that, 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 that's when my, my drinking started getting worse. Not because of the marriage. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we just want to put yeah, that out there. Yeah. But because we bought our first house. Yeah. And because now, well, we've got a mortgage to pay. Mm. And you don't have to go out. No. You know, because we can stay in. When you're at home, you don't want to stay with your mum and dad. So we could stay in. Um, and I'll say for me, going into the noughties... Um, our friends were all buying houses, a new thing, everyone's got a house, and now it'd be around people's houses for barbecues and drinks and dinners, and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and that's when my drinking got worse. One, because um, you haven't got to buy out of bar, you can just drink shots more, you can have homemade, you, you know, you can pour out your, your home measures. And mm. for me in that era, it, it got worse, you can sit indoors, and if you're drinking um, like a short, like a scotch, then you're not getting what you get in a pub. You're getting no. four or five times yeah. a lot. Yeah. And if I can go back in time now and say to my older self, like any kind of advice, it would be, don't drink the scotch. That would be my advice. <laughs> don't touch the scotch because <laughs> mm. you can only drink for two hours a day. But if you're drinking for two hours a day and you're drinking scotch, you can drink a lot of scotch. So yeah. that for me, drinking indoors, I just, you know, that my biggest downfall. But my Achilles heel was was scotch as well. But Yes, yeah, so it changed for me coming out of the nineties. All that clubs and all the drinking culture. It's changed from, and wine was coming in. I don't know about. I was drinking wine in in like in the noughties. I started drinking that. I never drank that before in my life. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I've gone from like a, a beer drinker drinking Cronenberg to all of a sudden drinking wine, and you drink that indoors, and you have like large glasses of that, and it's gone in sort of easy to drink quickly. You know, and that everyone was sort of going into that sort of phase. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, how it that, changes. Yeah, that fact changed yeah. into sort of wine drinkers. Yeah. Um, but looking at the youth back then, the only sort of recognition of the youth back then was what I saw through football. That's the only time I really mixed with the youth mm. in football. Uh, I was one of the old men now, and the youngest kind of age was, wasn't wasn't really there. No, they weren't following their elders and their role models anymore, it, which might it, have been a good thing. We were trying our hardest, we, <laughs> they just wasn't having it. it was good, fair play to them. Yeah, good for them, yeah. Do, do you have any idea what 
the youth were doing instead? What then? Yeah, rather if they weren't, um, they're doing the foot, what they're doing, were they going to the gym or were they on their Xboxes, Playstations? Um, I don't know what happened in the night. I mean, going further on, I mean, the late noughties, I mean, me and Natalie used to say it all the time. This is going sort of 2009 sort of era now. We used to go to like a pub or something and they just wasn't there. No. Do you notice this at all? Yeah, uh, they, yeah, yes, it was more sort of our age. I mean, yeah, because I would have been 10 years older than you, but yeah, mm. you, I wouldn't see, you know, it, very occasionally I might go, oh, they're not old enough to be in here, but, um, you know, but very occasionally, majority of it, you know, I didn't see teenagers um, in the the pubs so much then. It changed. No. I mean, the pubs that we used to go to now, you go, they're all turned into restaurants mm. because they just, the custom just wasn't there. And we used to think, like, what are they doing? Where is it? Well, you know, what are the youngsters doing these days? Why are they not coming to the pub? We just don't know what it was. I mean, one of the reasons maybe a bit later on it is, is the internet. They're now on mm. social media, yeah. you know, so they've got WhatsApp group chats, Facebook. They're talking amongst themselves. The phones, haven't they? Yeah. They don't... I mean, obviously back in the 90s and, and before the internet, if you wanted to meet a boy or a girl, you know, you, you had to go to the pub. Yeah. You know, that, is, that yeah. was it. You had to go and hope the person you was after was going to be there, try mm-hmm. and catch their eye. That was it. Mm. But now I think what it is, you know, they want to sort of chat someone up. They can go onto Facebook and start flirting on Facebook and yeah. having the chats on Facebook and WhatsApp groups and all the rest of it. And mm. they don't really have to make that effort to go out. Whereas, you know, back in, in, in the night, or when I was a kid, I would say when I was a teenager, if you didn't go out, to the pub, you met like you didn't meet no one. That is, you know, you yeah. want to get. A, that was social. It was yeah. a social thing, wasn't it? To go yeah. out to the pub and, and drink. That's where you met everybody. Yeah. That's where you met up. And and yeah, people. That, I, I suppose in the noughties we start to see, as you say, sort of teenagers and that would have had phones and things, or you yeah. know, they were starting more of them were starting to have phones. And so as you say, oh, they sorry. could communicate without actually going anywhere. I think that would be more and more. That would be later, sort of like the teens. But I don't. Yeah. I, I'm just. I'm just assuming that I'm on the noughties because I don't think mm. the, the Facebook around. But it must be that I don't know. Well, yeah, it's not changed. Yeah, my son was born in '97. He had a phone when he was eight or nine. So that was in the noughties. Yeah, we had phones, but we I think it was smartphones. Was it? Yeah, was it? I don't know. Yeah, possibly not. Yeah, so maybe not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have to look a bit more into that. But so it's a bit of a. We're not sure what they were doing. I don't at know that what time, they were doing. But, All I know yeah. is that the pubs, especially where I grew up, they were just no longer packed. Mm. You know, pubs like the close, like busy pubs yeah. back then that were always packed. And they're like mm. a block of flats or something, or they they changed yeah. like to premises. And it's just I don't know what those do, or, or, or they're a restaurant. Mm. Um, so that that generation, I don't know what happened to them. A no. Good thing, probably. Really, I don't know. But yeah, and, and thinking about it, actually, I'm just thinking back that because um, I lived in Lincolnshire at that time. Um, and yeah, no, I don't remember seeing many youths. I mean, it was quite a village. But actually, if we did go to the pub, as you say, the majority of them did food, so you went out, and it was more of a family thing. Yeah, there'd mm, be people mm. my age, your age, maybe, but with their kids sort of thing, you know, so yeah, it'd be a yeah. family affair rather than the, t- the teenagers, maybe. But then, you know, you, we had different lives than ourselves. We might have missed that, because you were, you were exactly, married, that you were the at thing. home, exactly I was thing. in the village. Yes. So we weren't going to South yes. and Buzzardon and Chelmsford, so we don't actually... Exactly. Exactly right. No, so anybody wanting to comment on that? Yeah, <laughs> what was you doing? Artist, you're, yeah. you're about 35, yeah. 36, yeah, what were you yeah, doing in that, in that then, decade? Yeah. We don't know what you was doing. No, but we didn't um, that the tea lover. She said that, that there was, you know, for her. But again, that's a different... She lives in a different area of the country, so it may well be culturally. Um, and as my brother says, he he's travelled quite a lot with with his, his job, and he said it, it's a very different story 
the drinking culture is very different wherever you go within the country. Scotland's really? very different from England. Worse, uh, yeah. Take it, yeah, a lot yeah. worse. So, um, you know, and we all know sort of, you know, Ireland's probably a lot worse as well, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to, when I used to go over to the social club after nurse, you know, even the hospitals had social yeah, yeah, clubs with beer. And yeah. we'd go over after a shift and, oh, you went out with the Irish nurses or the Scottish nurses, you know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough night. It was, a, you know, rotten the next morning. Um... So yeah. Anyway, so so then we get to, to 2010, and you got even more sporty in 2010. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something. I mean, I'll, I'll tell my story to a certain extent, but I won't go too much in depth because at the end of the day, it's all about just it's just drunken stories. You know, we can mm-hmm. all tell drunken stories till the cows come home. They're all pretty much not the same, but to a certain extent, they are. Maybe we've all you know we're all addicts to a certain extent. We've drunk too much, and we can go on and on about it, mm-hmm. but. With me, which is something I wanted to touch on, uh, which is quite interesting. And um, you know, what I'll be saying in the next sort of 10 minutes, some people will be saying, like, Is he having a laugh or what? <laughs> is he serious? And yeah. then some people I know will go, Yeah, that's me. That's, yeah, I used to do that. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was exercise, it, it was running. And then there, there was, I've always loved long distance running. It doesn't matter how much I've, I've drunk, I've always done running. So, mm-hmm. like, not, not only as sort of a, a hobby, I wasn't sort of massively into it. But I always enjoyed it. And there was one year at football when it was raining week after week and we couldn't play any games because the pitches were waterlogged. So I signed up for a half marathon. I'd never done one before. Um, I didn't train for it. I just thought I'd do it because there's no football. I just thought, you know, do it. Just sort of a bit of exercise, really. Wow. Yeah. So I signed up for it. And um, it was in February, uh, I think about 2009, I think or something like that. And it was, it was a week after Natalie's birthday, her 30th birthday, um, and she'd had bottles of champagne bought for her. Mm-hmm. And we'd stayed in that night, we'd had a takeaway. Um, and I'd been drinking Stella indoors, probably six or seven cans of Stella. And then we, there's an ice cream there, by the yeah. way. Just, <laughs> do you want an ice cream? Yeah, no, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> Have a break. <laughs> um, I've been drinking, we, back then we, we started drinking on a, on a Saturday, sort of like five o'clock in the afternoon, really, I suppose. Maybe earlier, but I've been drinking Stella all, 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 night, all night and then we got her champagne out because she mm. had about I think, four or five bottles left over from her birthday. So we started with the champagne. Yeah. We was drinking that and we was drinking wine. We was drinking just what me and Natalie do. We, we used to drink all the time indoors, you know, and, and stay up. Um, I, I remember I went to bed. Um, it, was, it was actually five past three, I remember, because I had to set my alarm for seven o'clock to get up to go and do this half marathon. Wow. I remember I was squinting with one eye open, looking at my alarm <gasps> clock, thinking, oh, God, oh. This, I mean, this ain't going to happen. I'm not, this ain't, I'll, I'll set no. it anyway mm. and just see what happens. So I set the alarm for, uh, for, for 7 o'clock and it went off and bang, I was up. I jumped straight out of bed, in the shower, got dressed. As in, before I know it, I was in the car driving to East London for this, this half marathon. Wow. It was in Woodford Green, just the other side of the bottom in East, in East London. Yeah. And uh, I was in the car, I felt fine. I felt, this is all right. I've done on my toes here. Yeah? I've, I've cracked it. <laughs> and I was like, but then I was driving. I, I, I realised I, I, was, I was still pissed. Pissed, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. I was hungover, I wouldn't have got out of bed. No. But I was, no. I was still pissed. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm driving this half marathon. I'm, I'm, I'm up for this. I'm feeling all right. Mm. You know, and I, and I got there, got to the start line, parked up, got my signed in, got my number. And before I knew it, I'm on the start line of a half marathon, steaming out my head. I'm thinking, you know, yeah, but I. Okay, just go with the flow, and, and I've done it, and I, I started running. And as it went on, I just got better and better. I thought mm. I got right into it. I thought this is all right. I pushed myself, and I enjoyed it. 
and the time I got, I mean, the time I got was, bear in mind, I didn't train, it was like one hour, one hour 42, wow. um, which I was quite pleased with. I thought, yeah. that's, that's all right. Yeah. I, started, I started to think after that. Like, Especially being your pierced and you haven't exactly, been trained. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. And I thought, you know what, that ain't better. If I can do this mm. sober, like what kind of time could I get? So I signed up from the South End Half Marathon. Just drinking, sorry, water. <laughs> um, I signed up for the um, South End Half Marathon a couple of months later. And I thought, right, I'm going to take this one seriously. I'm going to sort of watch what I eat, train, train for it, and just sort of, you know, just see what sort of time I can get. So I wasn't really a runner, I was still playing football, but so the week up to the, this half marathon, all week, I was still drinking during the week, I didn't stop that. Um, but I was trying to get early nights in, um, trying to eat correctly, eat, eat mm. the right food. Um, I was still drunk Friday night, uh, the, marath- the half marathon was on Sunday morning. Uh, Saturday night, I said, I'm not drinking. I said, I'm going to knock it on the head. And this was probably my earliest memory, the first night I hadn't had a drink um, since I was a kid, you know. Wow. Or since I got, at, least, at least since before I got married. Yeah. Um, I got married at 23. So this is the first time I can remember yeah. not actually having a drink. I was seven days away. I'm not ha- actually having a drink um, at all on an mm. evening. So mm. I didn't drink Saturday night, went to bed sort of early. Um, and... As you can imagine, I had the worst night's sleep you can possibly mm, not ever. Drunk, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I woke up sweating. I, like if you remember going back to day, like, to day zero, it yeah. was exactly the same as that. Like, back then, I didn't realise I was going through detox or withdrawal. I just thought that I needed a drink to be able to sleep. You know, yeah. I, I, and I fell for that trap. I don't know about you, but I fell for that yeah, trap. Yeah. I was in that trap for twenty years. I thought I couldn't sleep without a drink. Mm. Um, so I, I, I had this. Um, race the next day and I, I, I must have had about a three hours kip and I woke up the next day and I felt absolutely terrible I was drained you know mm. I felt like I had the world on my shoulders I had a heavy head I was just I felt terrible you know <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this the right way yeah you're doing I, it the right yeah, way I'm doing yeah, right. feeling like crap yeah, yeah. so I've, yeah. I've, I've drove down to South End and I've, I've got myself changed I'm on the start and the race starts I, I struggled I, I struggled from start to finish I was puffing away I felt tired, my body ached, I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I, in the end, it comes up the last half mile, I was looking at my watch and I was touching go where I was going to beat my time. Mm. And I was sprinting to try and beat my drunk time. Yeah. And yeah. I should have been like miles ahead, ahead of it. Yeah. I was, but I beat you by about three seconds. And mm. I thought, right, so I ain't doing that again. Not in the race, I'm, I'm, yeah. not, having, I'm not racing again, I'm not drinking. Yeah. And I was then trapped. I, I, and then um, I, I retired from football. At that time, actually, 33, I broke my leg, actually, and I stopped playing football, um, and I joined a running club. Mm. Um, I said, I'm going to, you know, I like, that's my thing. Um, and I then took up race, uh, running seriously. Um, and everything I'd done with running, uh, I, I, everything, my, everything in my life was geared up to running. I was, I was getting quite, I was getting fast, I was getting better. Everything I put into my body, I was eating the right food, the right, you know, um, I had a low-fat diet, high-protein, I was everything, everything I was doing right about everything, I was training a lot, but I wouldn't let it get away my drinking. No. The drinking come first, mm-hmm. you know, the running, I had to fit in with my drinking, so if I had a race on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, be it a half marathon, a ten mile, whatever, if I was going out Saturday night, I wouldn't stop drinking, I'd still carry on doing exactly what I was doing. Um, and then how I felt the next day was how I felt. I ran with how I felt. I didn't once stop drinking for it because after that experience of the South End yeah, half marathon, yeah. feeling like absolute crap, I thought, well, some of us drink. So yeah, yeah. I was trapped because yeah. I knew that if I had an important race coming up, I knew that if I didn't have a drink the night before, 
then I'd be like how I felt that day. Mm. I was I was trapped in this cycle of I had to drink because otherwise I'd otherwise you wouldn't be any good. Yeah, you wouldn't sleep. You wouldn't be any good. Yeah. So. And I know there's going to be people that are going to be listening to this. I think he's having a no, no, no way. How can you, how can you run and, and be drunk? I and mean, there, there will be people. Todd touched the other day. Did you read Todd's podcast? Mm-hmm. I've not had no um, engagement yeah. with Todd, but I listened to his um, yesterday actually. And he sounds like he's uh, into his fitness and yeah. he's saying he's a trainer and eat the right things. But it's like training with a. I got, um, a weight on you, uh, a waistcoat. Was it a use? What's the, the, I haven't seen that the term one. Term used. Sure, it's yeah. like training with like a weight jacket on, and, it, and it's true. And I can give you a couple of examples. I won't go on too much, but I'll give you a couple of examples. It was um, sorry. Okay. There was one I done. We it in the summer, <clears throat> and we was at a friend's house on a Saturday night. It was a barbecue. Um, their friends and they're always drinking shots. We had, I mean, in fact, we had gin, gin and tonics. We had massive, great big bowls of gin and tonics. It was a baking hot day, and we was, I was drinking gin and tonic, pink gin as it was actually at the time. That's the new fashion, wasn't it? Pink gin. Yeah, everyone the, was drinking yeah. that. Because talking about drinks, how you were talking just earlier about changing, you know, the drinks to the wine and that. It's yeah. like how they've rebranded yeah. gin, Mother's yeah. Rune. It's now the trendy all go thing. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so even for the men being drawn into the pink gin, it was yeah, pink gin. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I, can, I was drinking. Loads of this pink gin and we're doing shots and and my friend Chris said, mate, are you seriously going to run a half marathon? So I said, yeah, no, I'll be fine. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, not a problem. Mm. And um, same old scenario. Yeah, we went back. We must have been, I don't know, late, late night, one o'clock, whatever. Again, got up the next day. But this was different because the previous time I was drinking wine and <clears throat> and, and lager. Mm. Uh, but now I've been drinking spirits and I got up the next day and I just did a headlight thunder and I still drove okay. though. I mean, in my mind, I, I, mean, I never drunk drove. Um, but it's always the morning after. You don't yeah. really, you don't really think you drink no. driving because you've been asleep and it's the night before. But I was over the limit. Mm-hmm. I was probably over the limit most times in the morning every day. To be yeah. fair, driving to work. But you don't really think you are, do you? Because you've drunk no. the night before. But yeah. and you, and you don't want to. You don't want to be thinking that you are. You it, know. So, so you think you have that excuse, didn't you? And, and we used to have that thing as like, oh. One hour, after one hour, one unit of alcohol has gone out of your body. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, it's rubbish, but that, that's how our mind yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was driving to this one, and I, I'm, this one, I remember thinking, oh, I am actually now, I am pissed. And I was, I got, I got there, and it was the hottest day of the year, and I was, I was, I was, I was, I was steaming. I was, I was, mm. I was sweating alcohol. It's kind of, wow, I, yeah. I was going through a smoking phase as well at the time. <laughs> and I was, I was oh, yeah, I must be the right start. On the start line, with a fag in my mouth, sweating, <laughs> sweating alcohol. And I, was, I bumped into a friend that he had a stall selling trainers. And he, oh, Chris, his name was Chris as well. And uh, he's like, he looked at me like, the state of yours, yeah, no, I'll be all right, mate. And I run, I run it. I didn't get a good time, but I run it. Mm. Um, that was one of six in my mind, and then there's another one where we had a ten mile run, and we, again standard. I was drunk a lot the night before, and uh, my friends, my two friends, Adam and John, picked me up in their van, and we got to go, go to Tiptree, the other side of Essex, to finish ten mile race. And I jumped in the van, and both of them said, "Jesus, here, could you stink?" Mm. And I was like, "Oh, shut up!" And I, I stunk like a pub. You yeah, know, and I was like, put open the windows, and sort of have a chewing gum for God's sake. Like, mm. I, I stunk that bad, and I felt bad. And we got to the race, and uh, about an hour before the race, and we had to go and sign in, get our numbers, and register. I said, boys, do me a favour, go, go and get my number for me. I'm going to get my head down in the van. I'll wake me up ten minutes before the race, boy, because I'm I'm struggling now. So they went and signed in for me. And I just sprawled out in the in the front of the van, and I was like out like a light. I was just sleeping. I was just, it was completely gone, you know. Mm. Um, and they come about 10 minutes before the race, they come, give me a nice, come on, Steve, up you get. And uh, I jumped up, had a quick stretch, put my bib on, um, my vest on, and I went and got a PB. Yeah, I, it was just, 
it was crazy. I mean, what's the PB? Personal best. Okay. Yeah, which I think would have been for a ten mile race at about sixty two minutes. I think it was okay. sixty three minutes. Yeah. And so you're running ten miles in just over an hour. Wow. And yeah. you know, and that was that was that was a bad one in terms of I was drunk, but always had alcohol in my system whenever I raced, whether I had a few the night before or a lot. I was always had a, had, a, had a drink in me, but I always got a good time, and I was I got me um, a half marathon down to like one twenty five, and I was yeah. still drinking. Yeah. Um, and in this time, that was from the age of thirty four to forty four. I run fourteen marathons wow. yeah. in in that time, um, and even running marathons, I was still drinking the night before because mm. in my memory, I had of that first half marathon mm-hmm. where if I didn't drink. I was going to be in trouble, and I was going through the sweaty nights and like not sleeping. So I was, I was trapped. Yeah. I was trapped. I had to. The marathons I didn't drink, so I never got. I never started a marathon drunk on the on the line. I'd be sort of. I've had a few drinks the night before. I wouldn't be drunk for a marathon because that's just obscene. Mm. But I'd always, always have a drink the night before to sit on my nerves, to, to, to make me sleep, basically. Yeah, sleep, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I've done the Brighton, the last marathon, I've done the Brighton marathon, and I slept in my camper van, and mm. uh, I took a DVD down there, and I hadn't trained for it because I was injured, so I wasn't taking it serious. And this is not drinking much the night before. I had, I remember I was watching a DVD in my van, and I had four cans of lager, and I had a bottle of uh, rose wine. <clears throat> um, and then I was looking at the other bottle, and you should I open it? I thought, oh, I can't, I've got, a, I've got a marathon, so I can't have another one. But I opened it anyway, and I have a glass out of there. And I forced myself to go to bed, I've got to stop, I've got to stop this, because I'm going to yeah. otherwise end up getting drunk and having and, and a really, really bad race. But I, so I drank a bottle and a half of wine and, and four cans of beer, um, and got up and I've run, what, three hours and 25 minutes, I think it was, which was still pretty good yeah you know to yeah. Run, just to run 26 miles really yeah yeah um and people couldn't believe what i used to do um mm. but i know there's gonna be people listening that i'll speak to people on the app there's a couple of people on there do triathlons uh and iron men mm. um uh, and, and marathons as well and so uh, that, that afm chicken night do you know night chicken no. he's just cycled the other side of the country and he's obviously an addict so I mean there's people that are doing extreme sports out there mm. that are still drinking like high amounts of alcohol so that is what I wanted to touch on really because we've all got stories we've all, yeah. we've all got out yeah. you know down the yeah. pub we've all got that etc etc but it sort of shows a light mm. on the mm. other side of mm. how you can still perform uh, and, and live that kind of lifestyle with <laughs> loads of alcohol in you yeah it's mental yeah. it is crazy and and as you said as well that there's sort of I'm, I'm not suggesting that sort of football players and rugby players go on the pitch um, drunk but we know that there's still that yeah, drinking yeah. culture after even with the professionals there is the alcohol involved well some of the best players like Paul Gascoigne uh, for England yeah. he, he yeah. used to play drunk he had the, yeah. the George Best George everyone knows George yeah, Best in Northern Ireland yeah. Yeah. He, he, he stopped drunk before the game you know there's yeah. some of the best sportsmen in the country were were, mm. were addicts so it, mm. you know but I think the perception of most um, people have got of an alcoholic or an addict, addict is someone that's in the pub constantly or, which they are or you know but not very active you know mm. they don't perceive them as being very active people but yeah. I wanted to put it out the other side that they you know they, they are yeah. and they're out there and it's yeah. what you can achieve I definitely believe that the fitter you are the more you can actually drink it doesn't affect you I mm. do believe that. I think the fit. I think again, the worst. I say the worst thing after running a marathon or a half marathon. If you started drunk, yeah, by the time you finished, 
you're sober mm. um, and, and the adrenaline kicks in and then all you want to do then is get to the pub and drink more. Drink more, yeah. And after a marathon, that is the world's worst because you'd, your adrenaline would be so high you'd be pumping. I used to be able to come home and just drink and drink and drink and drink. Mm. Um, and nothing I want to say, that's it, training. We, I remember we used to go training um, <clears throat> for the running club and um, we'd, we'd, we'd go out on a 10-mile run for training, me and my mates, and we'd race each other so we'd run 10 miles to have, like, the fastest we could we'd run as fast as we can for 10 miles I'm really no holding back just really tearing it up yeah um, get back uh, and then as soon as I got out as soon as I got out of the change room mm-hmm. I'd have a can of Stella and I've just run 10 miles yeah, yeah. I've done all this good yeah. work yeah. yeah as soon as I got out of the change room mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have a can of Stella I'd, mm. I'd, this can of Stella you wouldn't even touch the sides I'd drink this can of Stella and I'd get home and then you'd never see a man drink two bottles of wine so quick and then this is when Natalie actually pulled Natalie pulled me up. She's like, "What are you doing?" You know, I didn't even notice I was doing it. Yeah, I, didn't really, I was drinking them so quick, and I went, "Oh, and that is when I first stopped." Thought, oh yeah, I got. A... And then from then I started hiding it because I'd okay. get home from this good ten mile training session, mm. and then just drink two bottles of wine, Stella. And then what would happen is the time we're getting on sort of like eleven, twelve o'clock. I couldn't sleep then because the alcohol's kicked in yeah. and the adrenaline from the run. So I'd then get the scotch out. And that's to, to bring me down. Yeah. I'd get that to bring me down. Then wow. I won't go to sleep yeah. till two o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, and I've just done this excellent training session. I've looked after my body all day. I've eaten the correct things. I've mm. done everything right. I've trained. I've done a, you know, a 10 mile run. And I've got in and just like, as soon as the race is finished, as soon as I've finished running, I've started the drinking and just undone all that hard work. Yeah. And then I'll get up in the morning sort of like for work and I'll be knackered. It's yeah. pointless, really. Absolutely yeah. pointless. But we kind of sort of in our mind rationalised it. Well, it's it's okay because I'm running it off. It's okay because yeah. I'm I can, I'm still fit and healthy. It's okay because 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 and um, we go rounds in those those loops and that is it part is. of the cycle, isn't it? But it is as well. I think like I say again, the fitter you are, I think you can drink more because after the run, the adrenaline is so high. Yeah, I could drink more and I'll, I'll drink quick as well. I won't just sort of have a, a glass of wine. It go go another knock on. It is like that. Yeah. You know, it really was, but it is, yeah, yeah. yeah bizarre. And, and it's chemical, isn't it? We know that, you know, drinking drink is a chemical. Um, our bodies work on chemistry. <laughs> right, yeah, um, yeah, of course. You know, so, um, yeah, it's proven that, yeah, the, the, the fitter you are, then the, yeah. the more you can hold your drink and the, the yeah, more yeah. you can drink, yeah. OK, we're going to take a break there and mm. then we'll come back in a bit. Yeah, OK. okay. We're back um, and we're just going to continue from where we left off and looking at where you knew that things were starting to get bad and you needed to do something about it. Uh, yeah, and as I said, that, that follows in really from when I said to you I was hiding the drink. I think that's when it started to get <clears throat> get worse. Um, yeah, hiding the drink. Uh, I mean, I never, I never used to really drink that much in front of the kids in the evening of a midweek. Weekend's different, but midweek, I'd wait till they'd gone to bed. But mm. when I was little, they was going to bed at seven, half past seven, so that was fine. But as they got older, they're going to bed at nine o'clock, and, you know, I thought, I need a drink before this. So then I started hiding it. And what I used to do was have um, a pint of tonic water. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, it, it yeah. was it was a large G&T. It was a third of a yeah. pint of, of gin, um, and then tonic. Uh, I'd have a couple of those, so two pints of G&T, and then sort of come half eight, whatever, nine o'clock, so I think I have a glass of wine now. Mm. So um, Natalie thought that that was my first drink of the evening, a glass of wine. <clears throat> and I'd go on and do things like that, and I'd sort of nip out into like the, the spare room and like, nip the bottle of scotch, you know, have a quick glug of that. Um, 
I used to do things like we used to go to the theatre um, in London, in the West End quite a bit, and our daughters dance, so we go to like ballet, we go to the theatre to watch them dance. Yeah. Um, and I'd go to the bar because you panic then because you can't drink for a certain mm-hmm. amount of time, can you? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I always get a panic rush because, like, especially when they say, Oh, can you please take your seats? Yeah. I always think, Shit. And I was really panic, like, you know, I've got to get some drinking quick. But before that, I'd go to the bar, we'd be drinking red wine, and we'd go to the bar, mm. um, two, lo- two large glasses of red wine, please, oh, and a small glass of red wine. And whilst I'm being served, I'd drink the red, wow, I'd drink yeah. the small one quick, mm. you know, and then go back to Natty with two glasses of red wine, lovely, and then go to the bar again, two glasses of red wine, please, oh, and a, and a large scotch. Mm. So whilst I'm at the bar, I then drink the large scotch, and then give her the red wine. She doesn't, oh, she thinks I'm just drinking the same yeah. as her. Yeah. Little things like that, which yeah. I just thought, I, mean, I think a lot of people, well, do I they? think we've all done yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we've all not, done that. I'm not yeah. going to go over that. Yeah. I'm not going to go over that ground really because I could, you know, I can tell loads of examples. We all, yeah. we all know the little tricks, don't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we used to do. Um, I'll, I'll touch on really, say, probably without going over my life story, because we'd be all day. I'll just really touch on the last year for me when it, you know, the lead up to me sort of finally, you know, seeing the, the light, so the light, to speak. Yeah, yeah the yeah. light. And that would have been, um, I started to cut down it was last February I've, I've never done dry January I couldn't I've never done that I no. didn't like being told what to do yeah. um, so I, I, I've made a conscious note last February I'm going to try and cut down mm. uh, it's getting too much I've always been seven days a week all the time um, and I think I've done two Mondays a Monday back to back and a Monday you know, and the following Monday and I thought that was brilliant this is like this is really yeah. good. I've done. So you were six drink days in between. So you had a Monday yes, off, six yes. days on, and then Monday yes. off, and six days. Okay. So the start of February, I'm not going to drink on a Monday. Yeah. yeah. I was, and Natalie knew I was drinking too much. Natalie said, because Natalie only drinks weekends. Mm. She's always, I always dreamed being able to do what she does, like not drink during the week and just drink at weekends. That would yeah. be my, that was my plan. Yeah. I wasn't aiming to quit. I was just planning to just stop drinking midweek. Mm-hmm. That was it. So I've done two Mondays back to back, and then I done the following week. I done a Tuesday. So I was on a Monday and a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that was like swimming the channel. That yeah. was amazing. I was two days, but then I had that obviously the withdrawal, did this, you know, yeah. sleeping, the detox. Again, didn't realise the detoxing. Then I just thought I couldn't sleep without a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I was building myself up to try and go for the Wednesday. Yeah, I was thought oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go for the Wednesday. Three days. This, 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 this was massive. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 you look quite excited when I'll, you describe it. Yeah, this now, it was. You know, it you, was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a big thing. I, I've, yeah. I can't believe I've gone wow, after all these years. Yeah, yeah, I've gone two Mondays on the trot now, and a Tuesday now. Mm, this is like mm. this is a big change for me. I was really pulling my socks up. Yeah. Um, but then. Uh, Covid came along. Mm. It's all on the news. Really. This is like late February now. It's all on the news. Like what was going on in Europe is coming. Is here. Yeah. Um, and then sort of the, everyone was starting to drink. I mean, that was coming over work, and that was drinking midweek. And I thought, all oh, right, okay. And like sort of that went out the window. It's trying to mm. stop, and it, it mm. did. And it, it sort of, to be fair, it was like when Covid did come and the lockdown came, it was like it was a green light. I don't know about you, but it was. I know you yeah. probably stopped by then. No, I hadn't. I was. I was um, drinking also. Then when, in the March, um, and in fact, my husband had moved out. My son had moved back in. So it was great. We just drank and smoked because the weather was glor- glorious. And um, yeah, I just drank away. So you was yeah back then. So you know it was like. But yeah. for me, it was a green light. It mm. was like Natalie's drinking midweek. Mm. Let's do it. So then there was no rules and it just no. continued and continued. It was every night and more than what I was drinking before. When I was trying to cut back on the Mondays, yeah. I've now gone to drinking more than what I ever was. Yeah, it was... yeah. Well, it's we do do that, don't we? We sort of test oh, ourselves. Just and stop. Then, and then we sort of stop. And then just we stop. Go yeah. back and then we drink even more. More, you do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Driving around a bend. Yeah. But then, so, we had the lockdown um, in March, April, May, mm, June. Yeah. Started coming out of June. Yeah. Um, so I've been drinking heavy all through that. And then when we un- when we unlocked, that again, me and Natalie both went mad. Like, right, let's go. Puff, mm, quick. Mm, you know, and mm. we went out even more. We started being like, more social. And did you do the help out to eat out? Do you remember that? Yes, yeah. That came yeah. along. And uh, so we done, I think we done... 13 in the month of August it was like 50 quid off your meal or half yeah. or something like that yeah. so we've done a load of those and again the, the, the food was just like the, the side show is just going on the piss really well, the first thing we pick or the first thing we get is our drink isn't it yeah. at the table or at the bar yeah. it's the first thing we get is our drink it's the first thing we order yeah, yeah. it's the food that gets, gets in the way yeah so yeah. we've we done a lot of that mm. when we unlocked and then they started the one that we, we we went mad on was the curfew. Do you remember the curfew? Must have been about oh at ten o'clock. It yeah, at 10 o'clock October at time. Yeah, six. We could still go out with four. I think it's two families, two households, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But then a ten p.m. curfew. Yeah. So which means we were then going out at like five o'clock. I was coming straight for work. Quick shower change out. Quick, let's go. But mm-hmm. then that was bad for me because it was like a race against the clock yeah. he's constantly looking at your clock what's the time yeah. quick get two it rounds yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we get to the restaurant uh, not yeah. to get to the pub first and we'd sit on another couple and say right what do you want get a pint pint right get two pints what do you want? Two, get a bottle of wine please two, yeah. two, you know, it's double up double everything yeah. and it was the end up just, and we was both the same all of us were, we was just speed drinking yeah, yeah everyone was doing yeah, the same we yeah. was just speed drinking mm. and I mean, we was panicking drinking as well like, being in the pub like, table's booked for 8 o'clock it's 10 to 8 quick one quick one, one more yeah. and you know and then obviously come 10 o'clock again one more that was coming out of lockdown going into that environment of quick drink 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 um, and it just got it just got worse lockdown really was like a downfall for me it just mm-hmm. made me just drink so much more so much more yeah. and I said before my, 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 my thing was scotch I was murdered for scotch I just wish I never liked it I really do I just wish I never met it because mm-hmm. it, it was just mm-hmm. one of those things that once it started on that and it's, it's not a good hangover thing it's not yeah. you're not good in the morning scotch either no. um, even though I was completely functioning alcoholic you know I mean I could mm-hmm. function mm-hmm. Like, I mean I'm a shopkeeper now yeah. I could completely function well you think you can yeah. until you actually find sobriety you know the, the lights would be on but light behind you dead mm. you know mm. but um, it then got to um, November uh, what happened then that was leading up now to me to me actually not, not drinking well, me and Natalie were both getting ready to go for her evening runs and something happened she said something you know it was just something minor mm. and I just completely flew off the handle and I was I was in her face, I was swearing at her, I was completely over the top and no need for it at all. Mm. Um, but it was like an uncontrollable sort of rage, it is no need. Mm. Um, and I came, we came back from our run, I still carried on the argument, because even though I knew what I was doing was wrong, it was the most stupid argument you could ever possibly have, it was something over dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. pathetic, mm. but I couldn't let it go. Mm. I had to... Go, you know, keep going her, yeah. and and acting and swearing in front of the kids as well. It was it was wrong. The behaviour was wrong, and I've been like this for some time. Uh, I'd fly off the handle, and I just mm. put it down to having like a short fuse, you know, a bit of a temper. She used to think I was like bipolar or something. So okay. one minute I'd be fine, and then I could just flip. Had you been like that before, or was that something new that started? I, no, I've been like it before. Um, yeah. I've not, I never put it down to drink. You know, no. I, I just always thought I was always thought I'd have a short fuse at times. You know, mm. not all the time, but. There was I, I misbehaved enough times in the, in the past to realise it was wrong. Yeah. Um, and 
it, I was get, it getting worse and going back to this phase there, like, you know, later on that night, I was, I was drinking my scotch and whiskey, my um, scotch and coke, sorry, <laughs> that'd have been a good mix. <laughs> yeah. um, I was drinking my scotch and I was, I sit myself down, I was thinking, this ain't right, the behaviour's not right, mm. I'm, that's mm. not the way to behave. I was saying, I calm myself down, I think that's not, that's not rational, you know. Yeah. And I felt like I was just like, a, whatever it was doing to my insides, the alcohol is one thing, we all know it's not good for you, but it, what's going on mentally, mm. like, the, the, mm. the brain cells must have been killing because I was, wasn't being rational over certain things. Yeah. Even though when I wasn't drinking, because we was going for a run, so I wasn't drinking. Mm. I was drunk the night before, obviously, but it's still that whole, men- you know, the system in your system and yeah. just that down heavy feeling. Yeah. Um, so that was that. was that. We had that big row on that, was, I think, on the, on the Thursday night. And then the following Friday, Natalie was going around to her friend's house for her birthday. Um, we sort of semi-locked down, it was. So mm. they went around there, just three of them, and drank. Which I was fine with, and I, I stayed in with the girls, my three daughters. Um, I've got three daughters now, by the way. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I didn't mention that. Yeah, I've got three kids. Three girls, Christ. Yeah. Um, we stayed in, and we watched a film. I was drinking wine. It's fine, not a problem. Mm. Um, the girls went to bed and I carried on drinking wine, fine. Um, and then I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I never used to drink, I never used to count how much I drank. I never, never really took in quantities. Um, but then I poured my last glass of wine, I put the bottle aside, I realised I drank three bottles of wine. Wow. Um, now normally with Natalie's drinking with me, we yeah. sort of a glass for her, a glass for me, put it in the bin, next bottle, you don't really sort mm, of take note. Mm. Um, but I drank three bottles of wine, I thought. That's quite. Is that a lot? I don't know. Like, what, mm. what, how much do other people drink? Is that normal? Do people drink free? Two bottles. I thought it was a lot, but I thought, yeah. or oh, is it a lot? Or do people still drink that much anyway? I don't. I don't know. Mm. Um, so I drank three bottles. I was having a nightcap. I was going to have a, a large scotch and coke. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I then poured myself out a large scotch and coke. Then I, I went to bed. Um, I was having a quick drink. Hang on a second. And I went to bed. I went to bed about, it was about half past 11. I was working the next day, it was a Friday night, I was working the next day. I went to bed alone, because Natalie was still out, fine. Um, but then I woke up at half seven in the morning to go to work, and I was still alone in bed. I was, Natalie wasn't now. Yeah. I thought, where is she? And then I just felt a feeling that something had happened. Yeah, and I went to the bathroom and I, I had scratches down my face. Mm. Yeah, so I woke, I went to bed, Alone and woke up alone, but I had a flashing memory of something that and I got an arc, something that happened, mm. something had mm. gone on, mm. but I didn't know didn't what. Know what. I didn't know, no, I didn't know what had happened. Um, so I've come downstairs and <clears throat> Natalie's asleep on the sofa, and she's heard me come down. She's mm. quickly gone back up. She said, we said a couple of words, and then she's as she's gone upstairs. She's like, she's called me a bastard, right. and I like, suggest I leave, and not not suggest I leave for work. Suggest I leave, mm. like full stop. And Good, I was yeah. like, you know, like, okay. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a clue. No. I didn't know what had gone on. Mm. I didn't have a clue what had gone on. Well, I know, obviously, something happened during the night and I've woken up and I've got scratch marks down my face mm. where I've obviously mm. just thrown off the handle over something. I don't... And I drove to work and I... Just, you know, you, you don't know what you've done wrong. Obviously, I blacked out. Yeah. Um, that's not a good feeling. Um, got to work. Work was OK because I was still drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting through till sort of 12 o'clock, OK. Then your hangover kicks in yeah. midday. Yeah. 
So then you go through the same. Well, you, you're hydrating, you're drinking water. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a sugary drink. It's normal stuff. You drink you know, a can of Coke, get some sugar into me, get myself back, get through the hangover, which lasts about three hours. Yeah. Come sort of like three, four o'clock, you start to sober up. Mm-hmm. Um, they come home for five o'clock. By five o'clock, I'm sober again, ready to start drinking. I come yeah. in for work at ten past five. I start drinking at half past five, mm-hmm. back on the wine. Mm-hmm. Drinking again. We're not talking, obviously. We're not talking at all. You know what I mean? So, no. you know, yeah. so it's a bit of an atmosphere in the house. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, just drink anyway. Um, so we're sitting watching TV and I'm drinking wine. So I started drinking at, say, half past five. It's going through to half past 11. So we've got seven hours, six hours of drinking in, in front of me. Um, I, I got to about... 10 o'clock and wine just wasn't doing it for me wine just wasn't doing it I wasn't it wasn't hitting a spot it wasn't getting me wasn't getting me to where I wanted to be mm. um, so I came into the garage where we're sitting now where all my drinks are kept and I was like I didn't fancy a whiskey I didn't want, I didn't want to drink um, I ended up pouring myself a glass of Jägermaster oh wow yeah, yeah if you don't yeah. know what you, might, you, know, you, yeah, you, yeah. you have that in a Jäger bomb you yeah. drink, it's, a, it's a shot, shot yeah. it's a black shot and you put mm. um, Red Bull with it mm. and you drink it as a, as a shot yeah. and I end up having a large glass of that a large glass of Jägermaster which is a 40% you know, he's disguised as red wine yeah. so I'm hiding a drink that you know we drink as a shot and a large glass of red wine drinking that I think I, I that and a, and a smaller one wow. I had that and I've been and I thought that's ain't too bad actually, said, oh, actually mm. you know, it, it was getting me further it was getting me to the, where I wanted to be because yeah. wine wasn't getting me there you know I need something stronger mm. um so that was, I found myself drinking fucking Jägermaster out of a wine glass, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, yes, yeah, so I was drunk all night, went to bed. Obviously, we're not talking still. And I got up the next day, and, mate, I was, you know, I'm a functioning alcoholic. I could function. The next day, I wasn't functioning. No, I was not, I was not functioning. I was like, you know, it was like a, been hit with a hammer, you know, mm, my head was thumping. Mm, and I was like, mm. this has got to stop, you know, this ain't right. And, my eyes have been bloodshot for about a week now, two weeks they've mm. been bloodshot, and people have noticed, they're saying, Steve, like, your eyes. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm tired, or I've got an infection. Yeah, all you the know? excuses, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I was, I was bad. I looked in the mirror, and I was, I was, I think for the first time, I, I looked back at myself, and I, I saw, I saw an alcoholic for the first mm. time ever. That was the penny dropped. I looked at myself, and I, I, I was pal. I had black pounder eyes. Mm. I'll show you a photo soon. So, mm. a black pounder eyes, my eyes are bloodshot. Um, chubby face you know I just looked at myself and I thought mate you look a state mm. you know you are and my head was thumping and so I took myself out I went down South End Seafront it was about a 15 minute drive took the dog I went for a walk down there um, you know, a cold November morning just a brisk mm. morning just trying to get rid of this headache which, which wouldn't go mm. clutching a bottle of water because I couldn't leave the house nowhere without a bottle of water because he's constantly drinking constantly you know to hydrate yeah. yourself I went down there and that was it really for me that my penny of drops I sat down I sat myself down and had a word of myself really sat myself down you know, this couldn't go on and I made the decision I thought that's it I've, I'm going to phone the um, AA and I had the number I was a phone mm-hmm. call away from AA yeah. I thought that's it I'm going to get on it tomorrow I'm a friend of that before and he's, it worked for him I said that's it I've got to stop this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phone them tomorrow and, and go from there um, but then I said to myself I'm going to have one last drink one last drink yeah, yeah. before I do that yeah. Yeah. so drink. one more yeah mm. So I went, one last year, I went to the supermarket um, and I got a bottle of something which I banned myself from drinking. I hadn't drunk it in about eight years because I, I was disciplined enough not to drink it because if I drink it, I'll just drink a bottle in one go. It's like, it's just dangerous. Like, mm. It's so nice. It's Drain Bowie, okay. yeah, which is a yeah. whiskey liqueur. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if I drink that, I can just... I can down the whole lot. So I banned myself from drinking that for the last, must be eight or ten years I've not drunk yeah. that. 
and I drove to the supermarket. I got a bottle of that, a couple of bottles of wine, some beers. Um, I'm going out with a bang then. Well, I've made, I've made the decision. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad about myself anyway. Yeah. You know, um, and, and yeah, I went home, started drinking at four o'clock it was, went through to 11 o'clock, so I had a seven hour binge mm-hmm. and basically said goodbye to alcohol. You know, wow. that is it. I said goodbye to you. I woke up the next day, I looked at my phone, I, I had an app, an app on my phone, I had an app. What's this? So I looked at it. I've downloaded the IAS app yeah. when I was drunk the night before. Wow, when uh, you you done it yeah. when you were drunk. Yeah, I went, oh, yeah, wasn't, I remember that now. If I, yeah, because I was Googling how to quit drinking. Mm. I woke up and I had this app on my phone. I didn't really know what it was all about. I looked, started opening it up and looked into it. Um, and it's like, I was on day zero, I had a clock. Oh, I'm on day zero. Yeah. Oh, okay, what do I do? So I looked into it and I thought, oh, okay. And I started reading the stories. Mm. And I started reading and reading and reading. And I thought, oh, okay. So I, I didn't phone the number. And I started going through it. I mean, I, 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 I had to change because I was, I felt I was on the brink of like losing a lot of things. You know, everything mm. um, in my life's fine. I've, financially, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm financially okay. I've got a nice house. I've got a decent job. Mm. Um, but like relationship, I just felt I was going to throw it away. If I cared, I was going to throw it all away. I felt if I cared and how I was. And when I looked in the mirror um, the morning after. I looked at myself and I, I wasn't the man I wanted to be. No. Do you know what I mean? This person wasn't half the person mm. that I wanted to be. I, mm. I wanted to be someone else. I, I wanted to leave that person behind and change. Yeah. Um, and luckily I found this app. Wow. Luckily, and I got this app and I think Dad Life mm. was the first person mm-hmm. um, that commented on my, on my story. Um, he was my first follower. And he, he said to me, like, I'm so glad you've... Because I, I explained my story, where I, mm. what I've done the previous day. And he said, I'm so glad you've found this community. Like, we're here to help. And yeah. that was just that amazing. Was it, yeah, yeah. Was it, that was it. I got the app, and that was. I feel emotional thinking about it now. Cause, yeah, I can see you getting emotional. Yeah, but like the people on there, it's just yeah. they're like yourself, you know, sort of mm. people you never met before. Yeah. And I've I've got friends now in America that I mm-hmm. I was doing it for them. I really would. You yeah. know, what I mean, like you know, yeah. they sort of never met them, never seen them, never will meet them. But mm. and the sort of support, as you know, it's like the support you get from them is just. Yeah. You know, and everyone, everyone gets it. Yeah. Everyone gets it. You know, you, you can't say nothing on there that no one gets. Mm. You know, you might... And, I, and then I, I didn't realise that, you know, like, they're sleeping. I'm, I've gone to, like, day three, and I've not slept in three days, really. But then you go on the app, and everyone else saying, oh, I've not slept yeah. in three days, and, yeah. you know, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm, 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 I've not slept. This is normal. This is yeah. expected. And yeah. all of a sudden... Yeah. You're not alone. No. All of a sudden... Mm. I found people that mm. are going through exactly the same, and it's a complete, it's that massive. I mean, without that app, I wouldn't be yeah. here now. No, you know, I'll i still be drinking, but you know, get off the tits. You know. Well, to be honest, it sounds like you know, if I put my medical hat on, that actually you really wouldn't be here now. That actually yeah. you wouldn't possibly be alive now because you, from what you're describing of how you, how you looked and how much mm. you were drinking, that you probably. Would uh, would have drunk yourself to to death. By yeah, it was going that way. Yeah, it was going that way. Um, mm. So yeah, so now um, well that that was, that was November. Uh, yeah. I'd have relapsed at Christmas. Okay. Uh, I started again in the New Year. Mhm. Um, that was so I went four months sober. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this life would exist. Mm. I I really I didn't I didn't I've never even heard the word sobriety. I couldn't even pronounce it. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was such a thing as sobriety. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd gone from the age of getting from 23, my entire life just drinking every night. I, I, I didn't know that life could be like this. It's just, yeah. 
it's amazing. I just didn't know there was this was out there. Um, so I went four months about drinking. Then I, I, I had a relapse. Um, I don't, it was a bank holiday weekend. It was a Sunday. I just I went for a face. It happened. I, was, I, I, I reached for a bottle and I, I got on it again for one night. Um, but I, the next day I didn't feel so much guilt. I just felt I'd learnt something because mm. the voice in your head is saying to you like. There's a, there's, the voice was trying to show me a better way. Drink, go on, have a drink, have a drink. You know, you've done well, have a drink. So I, I sort of gave in to the voice and had that drink. And then the next day I realised there, there isn't a better way, you know. That I was being tricked. It tricked me into drinking. Wow, yeah. You know, it tricked me into drinking. Mm-hmm. And then that, the day after, the cravings sort of really, receipt, they went back, you know. They, they distinguished and the voice in my head got quieter because I'd realised that nothing's better than sobriety, you know? Mm. There really is. It's, uh, I wish I found it years ago, and just, yeah, just life's just, life's just better now. I mean, I mean, okay, my, 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 my clock on my phone, on my app says I'm, I'm 30 days sober. Technically, that's true, but in my yeah. mind, in my mind, I'm sort of five months, yeah. you know? I'm at that stage now where I'm in more control. Um, mm. It is still more, not one day at a time so much now, because I think you get to a level now where you can, you either get into controlling more and learn with it, um, mm. but yeah, life's life's never been so good. There's still there's still certain things coming up now, and I'm, I don't know about yourself, but you're further down the line to me. There's I've got social events coming up um, mm. that I'm still thinking in my mind. Have a day off. Have a day off. You see yeah. your friends. That's a big one. A little, a little trickster again is yeah, getting to you. Yeah, have a day off. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've just learned to deal with it. I learned to cope with it. I've, mm. I'm, I'm seeing friends of this weekend on Sunday with old school friends. We keep in touch. We've, we've been best friends since six years old. There's four of us, and we're going out on Sunday for, uh, to the pub first, and then out for a curry. We do it every mm. now and again. We'll meet up, we'll have three hours in the pub, then go for an engine and have a curry, and it'll be an afternoon of all drinking, laughing, banter, Mickey taking the lot. And uh, say two months ago, in my head, I knew this was coming, I said, no, I'm going to have a day off. Mm. Have a day off from drinking. Mm. Just that one that you see in your old friends, one day's not going to matter. Just have a drink and then don't drink for four months again. And that, that's how I've been playing it okay. uh, up until my relapse. And after that, now I've it's, the thought's gone from my head I'm not going to drink okay. and it's coming this Sunday and it's going to freak my mates out yeah. it's going to freak yeah. them out completely yeah. I'm going to have, have, have a tonic water you know? how, how do you feel do, do they know do your friends no. know okay no. so ha, what, what plans do you have then for... well this is it so I've, I've I've looked a lot more into the mental side of things now um, mm. I'm managing it myself I've been having this conversation in my head now for this day for a couple of months I've yeah. I've planned it it's starting off with 50-50 like sort of the bad voice, the good voice, fifty mm-hmm, fifty. Mm-hmm. Then gradually as the time's gone on, I've played out the scenario in my head a hundred times. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But for me now, come Sunday I'm gonna be relaxed because I know I'm not gonna drink. I've, I've already played it out. Yeah. I know they say one day at a time, I didn't want to get there on Sunday and have a toss of a coin and think, yeah. I have a beer. Mm, I'm mm. Now I'll get there. I'm, re- I'm relaxed about going. I already know that I'm not going to drink because I've played yeah. it out of my head yeah. and I've sort of reprogrammed my brain to sort of deal with what's coming already. And I've sort of... Mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen. And, and now I know I'm going to get there. I'm going to say tonic water, please. And they will absolutely take the piss out of me. Yeah, yeah. They they won't care because they're drinking themselves. They, they still have a good time. Yeah. And I will, will be the butt of all jokes, which is absolutely fine. You're and, okay with that, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. mate, it's like the more, the more insulting you can be to each other, 
Harbour yeah. is, <laughs> is, yeah. is the better. This is Essex people. Yeah, this is, yeah, the more insulting you, you can insult your friend is a feather in your cap, you yeah. know. So for me not drinking, they, they will rip the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, which I'm, yeah, I'm sure they yeah. will. Um, but I'm not going to drink on Sunday. Good. But that's where I'm, I'm getting to that stage now. I'm a, I'm a, non, I'm a non-drinker, but mm-hmm. um, can I have a Chevy at Christmas? Mm-hmm. I'm a non-drinker, but can I have a glass of champagne at a wedding? Mm. No, that's the that's the thoughts on the thought process. I'm going in my mind now to yeah. try and sort of unlock and stop that thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm unlocking things all the time. I'm just trying to reprogram the brain in, yeah. in that respect. You know, but. I don't know where it's going to go from here. That is, I'm hoping it's going to continue. But like I say, it, it sounds like I've cracked it. it. You know, we can all talk the talk, can't we? I mean, we can all sound like that, but I still know that, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's never going to go away. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, do you... Yeah, I, th- I think we can't get complacent. No, 100%. Uh, um, oh, yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, it, it is one day at a time. Sometimes, you know, it's one breath at a time. But you're right, you do have to plan. You know, if we don't plan, then we're walking mm. in blind. So I think, you know, we do <clears throat> do have to plan. I don't... Um, one of the nice things for me now, at the moment, it was, I noticed it mostly on my birthday, which was in February. So it was August, September, October, November, December, January, February. I was six months sober then. Um, and I didn't have that conversation. I didn't have that normal birthday conversation of, oh, like, what what time can I legally, publicly get away with drinking because it's mm. my birthday, you know? <clears throat> can yeah, I push it to 11 yeah, o'clock, yeah. you know? And I didn't have that conversation. Um, and so that that is really nice that I did because that is such a relief when you don't have that, that conversation going on. It still comes. Um, so I am 10 months on, on Saturday, but last month luckily i was listening to drifter and lilo um podcasting because i was driving into town i live in in norfolk now and i was gonna drive into halston actually and as i drove past my local pub and we just come out of lockdown and you know pubs were open and it was a lovely sunny day and there's all these people sitting outside this pub and i was like oh Perhaps I could just go and have a glass of wine mm. now. Like, where mm. did that voice mm, yeah, come from? Yeah. You know, where did that come mm. from? Like, you, yeah, perhaps I'd be all right with just the one now. Mm. Luckily, I had Lilo and Drifter <laughs> playing out loud in my ear hole, so I just carried on past, got to town, came back, and it was absolutely fine. Um, so for me now, it's more... Um, the random thoughts that come suddenly out of nowhere mm. i feel very comfortable going out and but from day one i have always said i'm a week sabre i'm two weeks sabre i'm <clears> a month sabre yeah. you know so i've always been very proud um but i think i've done that in a way of keeping myself accountable so that everybody knows correct yes that. In fact, I wanted to say that as well about you saying that we spoke about it earlier about being complacent. Mm. When I um, I call it an educational hiccup. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think it's a great term. Yeah, because you learn something. Yeah. You 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 learn something all the time. Um, So when I had my hiccup, um, I was I tell you what, it it was around about sort of the ninety day to hundred days where everyone says like you're throwing that pink that pink cloud. Mm. Yeah. When I was just. Buzzing. I was buzzing on being sober. That was yeah. such a good feeling. I was like, it's like a natural high. Such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was around about sort of 110 days. I started to feel a bit 
bit down. I think it might be a bit of a come down from being so high on, on yeah. life, you know? I, feel, yeah. I started feeling a bit moody for the first time in being sober. I started feeling mm. a bit moody. So we're now approaching the four months. It was bang on four, 120 days. I, I, I hiccuped on, 100, on 120 days. Yeah. Um, and looking back at it now, I'm just trying to assess what I've done wrong. I noticed that in the two-week lead-up to me having a hiccup, um, I hadn't really been checking the app. Mm. I was, I was seeing the messages coming through, but I wasn't really checking them. Yeah. I, was, I was getting too complacent. I was like, I mm. don't really need the app. Then, well, as you said, you'd make sure you do your one week, your two week, and you know, I'm two weeks sober, and you'd be accountable. I wasn't checking in. Mm. I wasn't doing comments. Um, and I think that that was my downfall, really. I got too complacent, and it, it made me slip. And I know that earlier on, sort of after maybe a month, two months into it, if I was ever going through a, a hard time and I was climbing the walls... I'd go on the app yeah. for support. Um, I'll go. I listen when Drift the first started. I think you were the first one I listened to. Yeah. Was you the first one? Yeah. yeah. Um, I must was the very first one. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, yeah. I listened yeah. to you. I, I remember I was one Sunday afternoon. I was climbing the fucking walls, and I was like, "Excuse me." Sorry. And I, I, you know, I felt like drinking. I, I took myself away, and I put Drifters. He's got a voice for the radio. That man. He's, mm. he's got such a soothing mm. voice. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. I, Put him a new one and listen to you for half an hour, and it brought me back. You know, it helped yes, me because yeah. I was. That's still a form of connection, you know. Mm, and mm. and then checking the app, and you go on the app, and you can be sort of a time where like you're struggling, and you go on, you, you see one quote, you know. Um, and there's one quote that sticks with me. My mate, second half, him, but mate, is you ever you ever come across him? Second no. half, don't even know his name, no. but his username's second half, and he he put a quote on there once when I was struggling. I'd have scroll through. And it was, um, if I correct me if I'm wrong, second half, I might have got this wrong. Um, remember without returning the man you once were. Yeah, it was, and I read that and I got it. Mm. And I thought it's a passage from somewhere. I think his pastor, he's a, he's a man of the church, the pastor, I read that to him. Mm. Yeah, it was, remember without returning the man you once were. And he just stuck with me, yeah. you know. And I thought, you know what, you're right. I'm trying not not to be that person. I'm trying mm. to. I don't want to go back to being that person. And you know, without return, and that, that just stuck. And that thanks straight away. I was because yeah. I because I checked the app. Yeah. If I hadn't checked the app, I might go. I'll sort it. I'll have a drink. Yeah. You know. But just reading that quote from second half mm. got me through that day. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. I don't I'd say just don't get complacent if you're sort of on month two month three wherever you are just you know you've got to keep working at it just don't get complacent yeah. and now I'm doing the app more I'm doing the zooms now I've just started doing yeah, zooms that's where we met yeah sort yes. of face to face wasn't it yeah. but, but yeah um, it is that you know connection is key and this is what Drift always says you know direct connection is key um, it is opposite to addiction and we need to stay connection in whichever way and, and the app we're talking about is the I Am Sabre app that we met mm. on but there are a lot of apps out there um but you know just hunt and choose and find your your community and keep connected um in whatever way works works mm. for you really um so we're going to take a break now and then we're going to come back with um the teens and the teens of, yeah so yeah. Uh, um we'll see you in a bit <laughs> Hello, we're back for our last section now. Um, I'm here with Steve Shickey um, and we are going to be looking now just at this last, well, 11 years really of, of we've like talked about ourselves and that, but about the kids um, and sort of teenage years and what we're seeing on the streets now in this last decade. Um, my son, Jack, um, 
he's now 24 so this was kind of his decade I guess and and yes he said to me that he did do sort of the, the diamond white sort of down the park and that yeah, um, yeah. you know he did do all that but um, I and I think also he sort of smoked some weed he was probably more into the the drug are, scene are, yeah. yeah he was probably more sort of doing weed um, I can tell you the first time he had a puff it was when he was 14 because I knew from when he walked in um, you know that that he'd done that um but i had normal because i was a, a drinker alcohol was normalized around our home so you know if we went out for a pub for a meal it's like oh jack can have a beer now with this in some restaurants because you're able at the age of 14 to drink in mm. a restaurant um it, yeah if, if you were having a meal not not all restaurants yeah. but some um so i'd always normalized um drink and in fact to my absolute shame when he was about 16 i think he was you know what he might have been younger which is awful i think he's maybe 15 he was going to a party and i bought a small bottle of vodka for him mm. to take to this party because it's like you know i was just take some beers aside no 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 because everyone else have spirits so i um because it's really bad parenting i um he went to this party this bottle of vodka he was going to share with all his mates and he necked and he ended oh, up in no. hospital that night with hypothermia oh, yeah he was really really poorly um oh. so but that didn't stop him and he i mean he's he said on the podcast between us you know he he did drink and he did um take drugs and in fact sort of from the age of 17 18 he really sort of he, he, yeah he, he left home and sort of he i i couldn't have lost him emotionally physically and everything but i had to kind of just let him go and let him know that I was there for him until he was able to sort of kind of come home and come mm. back again. Um, but what I do know from that time of this last decade was that he wasn't so much drinking on the streets, it was the clubs and the pub scene. And what um, they were doing was um, they'd go out and get pissed... <laughs> In the clubs, and then they do a line of coke to, to sober themselves up. It's big now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we know that it doesn't actually sober you up, people. Um, it just makes your mind think that you have, but it doesn't sober you up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and he, interestingly, he works on on the doors um, now and has done for a couple of years in in Norwich. Um, and but he said that the biggest problem it's been very difficult because of the last year because of lockdown obviously so people were locked down they couldn't come out and they had when we first came out of lockdown they went into sort of um what was it they called them the 18 is that people who'd, who'd become 18 mm. during the lockdown then all suddenly wanted to come out and have a big celebration mm. because i've spoken about yeah. this before it is a rite of passage over here as soon as you're 18 yeah, that's what you do well, done, you, yeah. you go you go that's and buy it. your booze and, and drink legally it's like a big sort yeah, of you massive, know big yeah. thing yeah. isn't it big culture um so he said so there's lots of problems with the under 20s there's quite a lot of problems with the 30s and older but the 20 to 30s doesn't seem to be quite so much. I don't know much. where they are. I don't know where they do. Um, no, but then I wonder if that's because it's his sort of kind of age group more. I, I don't know. I don't know. But but he also says what's happened is it's the boys usually, the men and the boys that are fighting and the women that are quite vulnerable. 
and here's the thing ladies and i think this is only for ladies and i'm not sure if it's only in the uk um but this is something that he told me because i said to him as a as a doorman um if a lady in distress you know came up to you in in the street and you needed help and they went would you help and he said yeah definitely he mm. said you know i said well if a vulnerable lady was was leaving with a man and he it looked a bit suspicious what would you do something? He said yes. And now I didn't know about this. Something in the UK, and I think it's just for ladies, is called Angela. Ask for Angela. If ever you are out in a pub, um, a restaurant, anywhere, if you're on a date, if someone's following you, if some, you know, whatever, if you feel uncomfortable, you go to the bar staff and you say, I'm looking for Angela. I need Angela. And all the bar staff know, all the door staff know about this, and they will make sure they will discreetly get you a cab, get you a taxi, and get you home or get you help. I didn't know anything about that. No, I didn't. Um, but please, please, lady, I will look more into this. Look more into it yourself to see if it is, um, you know, whether it is just the UK, to see if it is for men as well, because obviously men, you know, will be vulnerable as well at times. Um, but and, and and we'll come on a, a bit more about why people are vulnerable in a minute when you tell me about what what your kids have told you about mm. the drugs that people are taking at the moment. Um, but yeah, so even if you are um, walking along a street and and there's a doorman or something there, and you know you're not in the club, but you're feeling vulnerable, then do let somebody know. And actually, um, you know, I, I heard something recently from elsewhere in the country that there was a lady that was feeling, and this was quite recently, she was feeling vulnerable um, walking down a street and um, she actually did approach a doorman um, and say, help, I think this man's following me. And he was actually following her and uh, there was an altercation with the doorman the police were called and he was actually told to rape he he was a not the doorman the, yeah. the man that was following her um <clears throat> what did have sort of condoms ties and everything on so if ever ever you feel vulnerable then ask for angela but obviously the, the problem is if we drink too much we don't know we're vulnerable and we get ourselves in terrible situations but um the other thing that that, that we talked about and I had spoken from our, our conversation the other day because people we did have a quick sort of um, conversation about what we might be talking about on this mm. podcast. Um, it is off the cuff; we haven't prepared anything. We just met. We just met. Literally, yeah, literally just, just met. Just met. Yeah, um, a lot were in person. Yeah, and and I was talking to my partner, and something you'd said about you know um, when you were saying about the sports and that the youngsters not mm. wanting to come to the the pub and things and having the drink, and he said he remembers that he works in the building trade, and he said. Yeah, over the last ten years, something he's noticed that him and his culture—he's the same age as me—but mm. um, interestingly, he didn't drink on the streets at my age. He was more a pub person mm. at the age of seventeen, <clears throat> eighteen, um, and he was from Essex. So it's slightly different there between me and him. Um, but what he was saying that he he noticed in a few, you know, it'd be like you know, right after you finish your day's work, a building, right? Come on, I'm going down the pub. And the youngsters didn't want to go. They were interested in going yeah, to the gym and things yeah, like that. Exactly right. Yeah, that's, yeah big culture change. Yeah, big culture. Change. So, what what have you found? Because you've done a bit of digging as well this week about the the last ten years. So, what have you found yeah. out about that? I mean, I said to you before about the footballers no longer want to drink after, which I found weird. Mm. And you're probably right there. I mean, I've, I've got a shop. I'm, I own a DIY shop. <clears throat> mm. So builders come in now and. 
you can see the younger builders that they, you're right what you just said there. Mm. They have changed. Back in the days, it was sort of like the um, like the beer bellied sort of bum yeah. out of their jeans yeah. builder. Yeah. We just called it builders bum, yeah, didn't builders we? Yeah, builders bum. Yeah, yeah. sort of with a baked bean stained top. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Down, yeah. Down, 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 mm. down, 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 <laughs> They're sort of. That's changed, and they are now. You're right; they are more sort of um, into their gym, mm, uh, especially mm. the youngsters. They are more now into sort of coming over and going down the gym, yeah. um, <clears throat> looking after themselves rather than going to the pub. Mm. Um, I suppose my daughter Robin, who's actually she's 17 on the Saturday, mm. okay, is a bit too young really to get an insight into what they're doing. But we still do stuff at that we age. Were, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Um, she she's grown out of the going to the park stage now. Mm. Um, if she went to the park, she might have a drink, but I can trust her. She's not. She tell me the truth. She's mm. she might have a couple of drinks, but she's gone past that stage yeah. now. Um, and what she does, and what I know her friend, older friends do, is they go out to a restaurant. Um, mm. in like sort of groups of four or five they'll go to Pizza Express or a Prezzo yeah. get the cheap deal mm-hmm. and they stay there uh, they can't drink they're underage mm. they're not bothered they just, their experience for them is they're going to a restaurant they enjoy that thing of being in a restaurant mm. being a bit mature a bit adult uh, without the alcohol um, and I think a lot of them are doing that because like I said all the pubs now have turned into restaurants mm, a lot mm, of them mm. and a lot of the ch- kids are doing that kind of thing I can only speak for my daughter uh, and I asked her today I said like what's the drink culture like I thought I've got an idea anyway I said what's it like now like and mm. she said yeah no one's really that bothered she went to a party last week at someone's house and there's a couple of people that had, had work the next day worked, I've worked, you know, not, main, not a proper job but they was working so yeah. they wasn't drinking mm. although they only had two and I think mm. well like in our yeah. day, you wouldn't even contemplate a drink because you've got work the next day. No. So yeah. they're conscious. They're conscious of of not drinking. Um, Robin, we do let her drink. We sort of, if we go on holiday, she's allowed sort of like a couple of Malibus a night, mm. no more. Mm. So we've introduced we introduced it to her. Um, but they're not really. I don't think they're massively. This is only from where I live. This is yeah. like in Essex now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, the actual surrounding areas is a nice area, but I don't think they're you know they're they're not really going out. Definitely not going out and getting smashed mm-hmm. like it was in the nineties because the pubs are empty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 culture has definitely changed. But then there might be people listening to this and thinking, well, you want to come for a night out in Bristol, yeah, or you want to yeah, come for a night exactly. out in Nottingham yeah. or Glasgow. Yeah. You know, there's going to be people thinking, well, that's complete yeah. rubbish, shicky, because mm. like we, you know, that is mm. in our area. There, there are kids everywhere going about drunk. But I'm going from what I see. Yeah. Oh, you touched on the cocaine. That that's a worrying thing as well. That's what mm. scares that scares me. Mm. Is that is getting rife. That is yeah. uh, of all ages. I mean, years ago in the nineties, there's a little bit around, but mm. I think now it's becoming more easily accessible yeah, I mean you can definitely. get a you can get a wrapper coke now it's easier to buy a wrapper coke than it is to buy a pizza mm, do you know what I mean mm. people just, just phone up the number and they're delivered to you straight away scary that is scary yeah. um, that is why I mean I am so glad that like, the pills and XC aren't around anymore mm, because that was mm. as a parent that would scare me yeah um, but cocaine is a, a bigger worry because you wouldn't wake up the next day and go and take a pill when you go to work mm, but people mm. wake up the next day and they'll have a line of coke yeah before they go yeah. to work because they're 
want to be picked up. Yeah. That is a worry. I think that's a trend which is a big worry. Yeah. More so than alcohol. But the alcohol side of it, I, I don't think it's as, as big as what it was. Definitely not. Definitely not. No. From, from what I've seen. No, no and we don't. I'm not, and I, I, when I think back, I think sort of in, in the 90s, certainly in, in South Woodham where I was, sort of 80s and 90s, you know, you would see the kids drinking over the town square because we'd actually got a town by then. When I first mm. moved there, it was a tiny little village that we just had the park. And then there was a town square. And you see kids drinking hanging around there and now you don't seem to see the kids hanging around and I actually um again back to my brother he's got a 14 year old um son who's my nephew and uh yeah he, he said it just doesn't they're really into their football they're really into their basketball they yeah. hang out with each other they have fun it's changed yeah they, 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 some people do smoke weed um that they're yeah. aware of yeah but they're not in into that but obviously weed nowadays is horrendous isn't it Skunk. i mean you know it's just yeah, yeah just um yeah so um but yeah and, and then what my brother said is also of course when they're not together they're still connected because they're On so their into their, on, on their online gaming now that they can <laughs> yeah. all connect so mm. they this is how they do a lot of their socialising now as teenagers mm. Mm. Um, you know and a lot of them loved it through lockdown because they were fine it gave them the licence you know to be because they it didn't really change an awful lot lockdown for some of them because they're they still could doing just, their thing they're still doing their thing another thing they're going about you know, what they're doing they're, they're certainly going clubbing because mm. clubs are closing now yeah. left right and centre mm-hmm. I mean where I'm at Natalie Tots, that's closed. Did you realise that? Yeah, that's I closed, heard that. Yeah, yeah that was shut. Yeah. Christmas before last, that's closed. Mm-hmm. And all the clubs, really, in South End, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't think there's any left. They've all closed, mm-hmm. they're literally. So they're not going clubbing. No. Because they've, they've all, you know, if they was, then the clubs would be open. So mm-hmm. they're not they're not doing that. So my, my fear is they might move on to, I mean, on to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robin said, my daughter said that a lot of her friends or a lot of people that she hangs out, they all smoke weed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. I know she doesn't. Yeah. Um, but again, it's that stepping stone. Mm. Uh, and that is mm. a scary thing for me as mm. a parent. Now, you know, I, I think I'd rather them drink, to be fair. Mm. Um, but yeah. I, I don't, do no, but no. you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. you know, it's one evil, it's two, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I think it's changed. Well, Rand, from what I can see, Rand here, definitely, it's yeah. definitely changed. And you said, um, that Robin said about ketamine as well, that kids are taking ketamine. Yeah, and I asked her yeah. today, and yeah. I said, you know, like, um, what are people, you know, what are people doing? Mm. And she said, oh, she's at college, obviously, so she meets mm. the big, mm. wider people. Mm. And she said, yeah, they have a smoke weed, or they're doing ketamine. And I was like, yeah, you're having a laugh. I mean, what are you mm. doing that for? It's like a horse tranquilizer. Yeah. Is that right? It's yeah. like, she said, yeah, no, people do that. And we took the mickey out of the people to do it, like, a quick, quick conversation about, like, what would you want to do that sort of stuff for? Mm, mm. Um, yeah, but that's, that's scary. Um, like 17, but that's what I think. But then uh, the drug culture, I suppose, going from the 90s, that's, that was there as well. So that yeah. still, is still there now, but probably not as big, to be fair. Mm. But I think that's what they're doing. Until mm. they maybe get into the age where they can go to the pub legally, it might change. But then it, it, it's still the pubs are open with 18-year-olds, and they're not there. Yeah. So no, it's gone. Yeah, so it, it it looks like it's changing in the right direction, but there's I think there's always going to be substances around, isn't there? And yeah. you know, so it, I mean, even back in the sixties, there was LSD and things. You know, mm, yeah. uh, we've we've touched a bit on that. I think it had to be in a certain. It wasn't 
as freely available as it is now. As you say, you don't just ring up like a, you're it's getting a pizza right. delivered, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's just, uh, it is quite scary how available it is. And and before, you know, cocaine, I, I know, used to be sort of the yuppie drug. Didn't yeah, yeah. It? And the film no one could start, afford it back yeah, then. Yeah, no one could afford it, but now it's so it's, much cheaper. It is. That, that's the horrible thing. Yeah. It's the whole thing. It is, you yeah. know, they can buy it out of their, their wages really easy. Mm. You haven't got to be, you, you don't have to have a good job. You haven't got to be a high mm. flyer. Mm. You can just afford it. That's, that's the scary thing. Yeah. Uh, I think as well, they drink more around each other's houses. They, you know, rather than go to the pub, because they can't maybe... That's what I want to say to you, yeah, because when we left school, we were at 15, we went straight into work. Mm. We had money. So money, by the time yeah. we come to 18, we had... You climbed the ladder at work mm. and you was getting promotion. Mm. You was on proper money. Yeah. Whereas now... Um, they leave school at 15, they, they can't get a job until they're 18, 18 can they? Yes, they've got they're to 18, stay in yeah. education, so they, yeah. they haven't got any money. No, they no. can't afford that. Apparently, it's dropped. I thought, yeah. I thought yeah. you'd yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought about that. Yeah. That's why I was just thinking of yes. the thing, yes. really. Because also, I noticed, like with, with Jack, when he was growing up in that era, um, he was the first one through that had to start until 17, and then it mm. went to 18, didn't it, the next year? And uh, trying to get even just a Saturday job for him was near on impossible because of health and safety you oh, know you can't do this yeah, and you can't yeah. work in a, even in a garden nursery because of health mm. and safety because you can't handle that or touch that or lift that till you're 18 yeah, yeah. so um so yeah, yeah i think no. sort of i think sort of perhaps the online gaming the so you don't have to go out to socialize and the fact that they're in school or in education till they're 18 they haven't got the money i don't, they don't think have the money yeah. i know that a lot of them they go around each other's houses now so mm. they, you know they'll take a bottle of whatever around there and have a drink of that mm. um it's not it's probably still nowhere near yeah, as what it, what it was, yeah. but it's not so much in the pubs now. They sort of maybe yeah. sort of manage other's houses, but yeah, yeah, that's I think one of the reasons for the changing culture mm. is mm. they haven't got the money that we used to have. I mean, I don't know, I used to get my wages, and that's gone. That's just spent on going out. Yeah, now, like, yeah. You know, what, what yeah. I was getting back then, my wages is gone. on just yeah. did the whole thing, buy a new shirt, and just spend the rest on booze. Mm. But mm. now, I don't think they've really got that. That money, so no. that's where we are this, this this current time, yeah. Yeah, and perhaps as well, I, I don't know, I, I, but with Jack, I know when he did start working, he stayed at mine. I mean, he was on and off there till the age of 23, actually. Um, but when I was, um, you know, I mean, we were talking about people in the 50s and 60s when they were working. They were giving half their wages to the yeah, homeowner. Uh, yeah. Jack wasn't. I don't think <laughs> no. we make them pay half their wages now, do we? So I think they have far more money. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah, like 50 quid housekeeping a week, you know. Yeah. Um, so they've got a lot more money in their pocket, maybe for the, the drugs and things, I don't know. But, I mean, hopefully with the girls to alcohol, it is moving in the right direction and I think one of the things we hit on as well was about sort of the role models and the cultural things you know and and perhaps sort of as more of us if we can get the word out there more of us get sober more of us sort of talk about the realities of alcohol mm. we will be role modeling differently hopefully and then they won't be wanting to have hopefully that yeah hopefully my, my kids have seen me throughout my sort of uh, mm. life, me and Natalie, mm. we've always had friends around barbecue. They've always seen us getting drunk. All they've grown up seeing us get mm. drunk on holidays. They've seen us getting drunk all the time. Yeah. And now they're seeing me how I am, mm. and they can notice a massive difference in me. Um, yeah. You know, I can. I'm engaging more with them. We have a laugh now. I'm like, mm. I love a wind mm. up. I love the banter, and yeah. I'll, I'll wind them up, and we just have a just a joke around. They 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 think I've turned gay. <laughs> they, they, they they say they're just so camp and I'm like shut up leave you know, off they, they, they think I'm like David Williams you okay. know like, if you don't know who that is yeah I do that yeah, camp, David Williams yeah, yeah, the, camp the camp comedian, comedian. Yeah. and they just 
they, they can see the change in me now. They really yeah. can. I know they're changing me. I know I've changed massively. Mm-hmm. Um, just more what time for everything, you know? Yeah. You know, and they can see that. So hopefully now there's more of a role model. They could have seen mm. the old me. Um, the, you know, I never really saw, I wasn't a, a bad drunk as in falling around or getting, you know, falling over and anything mm. like that. But they could most definitely see a different person to what I am now. So hopefully mm. they might, uh, they might take that in. Yeah. Uh, as a role model and think like, oh, I prefer dad now than what he was. Yeah. And they can see that, that the reason I've changed is because of drink. So hopefully mm. they might, that, they might see that for what it is. Yeah. Because um, uh, we do so much more now with the kids. And I'm, I mean, everyone's got their regrets. I mean, you go on the app and everyone's says, I wish I'd done more of it. And mm. we all the same. I wish I was mm. more present with them back then. I've still done a lot of things, but when I look back now, I was, wasn't... Now I'm present. Yeah. I'm now talking to them properly. I'm, you know, I'm calmer. Mm. So hopefully, yeah, there's a role model there. Hopefully yeah. that can rub off them. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, they've got a fun dad now, not angry dad, the short fruits. Yeah, yeah. Even when he's having fun... Like they might have been having fun, but I was just trying to have fun. Mm. I was trying to be, you know, I, mean, I was, mm. as you say, you're not present. Uh, no. You know, you're not really, you're doing things with them and trying to be that as much as you can. You, you know, I've been good, don't yeah. get me wrong, um, but it's different now. You, go, you were going through the motions before. Exactly right, yeah. you're going through the motions, yeah. especially on a Sunday morning and something, you're going to like a, mm. a pleasure place, like those kids climbing frames or whatever, yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah, you sort of you're putting the the face on, yeah. you know, and you're sort of hanging inside, mm. you know. Um, so you're not as interactive as you could have been. Yeah. And we've all got, we've all got regrets. I mean, I can't you can't look back too much because I don't think they know that much. But just now, you could, they can we can all see the change. See the change now, and that's we what can all see now, the oh, we yeah. can all see the change. Yeah, yeah, my wife can, I can, they can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they can see the the effects of alcohol in that way. Hopefully, they can see the good side and the bad side. Yeah, so hopefully. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just sort of on final note, is it is one of the things you said earlier was, you know, leading on to that, that, that you're going through the motions, you had a mask, but the eyes were open, mm. but you were mm. dead behind there. Yeah, yeah. How is behind there now? How's behind the eyes now? Now, um, it's just happiness, really. It's mm. just like, it's just a weight's been lifted. Um, the chains are off. It's a freedom. Mm. It's a, a freedom that I didn't know existed. I said before, I just didn't know this existed. Um, what's going on in the brain now? It's just the brain is just more relaxed, more calm, more tolerant, um, okay. wanting to enjoy myself more. Um, just generally just so much chilled. You mm. know, even when I was drinking, I couldn't sit here now and have a conversation about how we are. Because my speech was one, it was rushed. I mm-hmm. talk really quickly, um, and also I couldn't get my words out sometimes. Like I'd get tongue tied quite a lot, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'd stutter. Um, and sometimes, if I wanted to say something, I'd have to go over in my head a couple of times before mm-hmm. I said it mm-hmm. because it'll come out wrong. Wrong, well, yeah. And then people, I'd have to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Now I, we couldn't have had this conversation six months ago. No. Um, I, I couldn't be relaxed how we are because I wouldn't be. I'd be uh, on edge, mm, still mm, like, mm. jittering, you know, waiting for a drink as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now how I feel now is just, yeah. Uh, uh, the words to describe it is is freedom, really, just free. Fantastic. Yeah, that's it. Good. Well, it's lovely to see you, free. I'm glad thank you could you. have this conversation Cheers, today. Thank you. It's been um, an absolute pleasure. Yeah, to it's meet been you. brilliant. Really Absolutely has. brilliant. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank and you. Hopefully, we'll catch up again soon. Yes. I'll see you on Zoom okay. tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.